0: hello everyone my name is taylor and i'm kelly and we are the co-hosts of jumping bomb audio the podcast all about joshi pro wrestling here on the voices of wrestling podcast network every
1: other monday we are with you talking about the biggest news in joshi along with show reviews previews and much much more so if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
2: many 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 meki, meki, meki,
0: what do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your host, Joe Lanza.
1: And, and they all die. They all eventually <laughs> die. They, they, they don't understand. You know, they think it's easy. They think it's easy. Uh, the problem is they're just not interesting people, any of them. So, it you know, they're not telling spreader bar stories. And that, Hell you know,
0: no, they're not rich. Preach. And you'd start these arguments and be like, ah, that guy's an asshole, screw him or whatever. And I'm like, I got to go see him in like two days. Like you're out there in Texas all alone, like starting all these fights. I got to meet all these people. I got to be at these shows. I have to do stuff. You're like, ah, whatever. Ah, Nothing's going to (laughs) happen. Easy for you to say. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Rich? Kreich? I can hear you loud and clear. I don't know why you would even ask that. I, Of course I can hear you. I hear you every single week for the last 11 years. Can the listeners hear of me? Of course Rich they can hear you. They've heard you for every week for the last 11 years. Why would you ask such a question? Can the listeners hear you, Rich Kreich? Uh I believe they can. They've listened to us and heard me for the last 11 years. How would they not? Well, I don't know why you would ask that. So we're good. All right. Well, sounds great. I think that uh, <laughs> it's weird that we start every show like that. But for the first time, listeners that don't know, uh, we start every show with Joe asking if 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 he can be heard, if I can be heard, and if everybody can hear both of us. And it's just it's a thing we do. That's just something we do on the show. We've done it for eleven years. You know, the sound check on the air. We're just you know for no reason whatsoever. We just decided to do that. So,
1: well, if you are not a ten dollars subscriber or you did not listen to this show live you missed the best 20 minutes of audio <laughs> that we have ever done in our entire lives uh on this show and uh, that's a little treat for the for the people who uh who were happening to uh be listening at the time live on the uh, on the $10 tier and it's it's going to be gone it's going to be um uh, removed from the uh from the archives forever and it's unfortunate that the rest of you didn't get to hear that so yeah, uh, it, it's it's unsalvageable.
0: It, it, there was a point where it was yeah. fun, and then it was awful. <laughs> it was just too bad and too terrible, and it must go away and never be heard from ever again. So, so not a, a nice nod to hey, that's why you become a ten dollars subscriber. That's why you show up on Thursday nights to listen to us not be able to hear one another and then five minutes of silence. <laughs> that's why you pay ten dollars.
1: Well, I, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the cliff notes version. Sure,
0: yeah, that was <laughs> Some uh, other stuff
1: happened in between, but we got yeah, there. May, Maybe one day we'll release the tapes. Who knows?
0: Um, <laughs> but anyway, we're here. Uh, we can both hear each other. Everybody can hear me. Everybody can hear you. That was one of the weird. We have never. We haven't had technical issues to that degree since. I mean, it's got to be years. It, it years. We had like where you know maybe the internet would go out a little bit, or I'd have some internet issues or whatever. But like. Right down to like, I can't hear you, you, you can't hear me, oh, the show didn't record. Like, like you remember those days where we'd record on Skype, and we'd finish a three-hour show, and I'd just be like, nothing recorded. It didn't record at all. It's gone. And you were just like, all right, well, see yeah. ya. Good night. And it's just, you know, it's over. It's it's just done. It's demoralizing. Yeah. It's the worst. That doesn't happen anymore, uh, thankfully. Now we just have these little bugs and little stuff here. But, uh, uh, yeah, that that's, man, those yeah. days, God, those were the worst days. I'd hit like you know stop on the recording and then the f- program would freak out and I'm like oh my god <laughs> that's just three hours down the drain no one will ever hear it nobody will ever care you and I just talked for three hours for no reason
1: and there's always a dice roll to see whether it would uh, record or not you know you get to the end and be like well did 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 we actually make a show you know and sometimes you wouldn't know You're like I don't know I guess we'll find out, <laughs> find out I, in a couple minutes yeah yeah. You know, so and uh, sometimes it was no.
0: And that's uh, that's that's not yeah. great. Yeah, but sometimes great audio. Those were always really our good. best shows, though. Always our best shows.
1: I, it was, and then back then, sometimes the shows were four or five hours long. Oh, they were obnoxiously long. Yeah. yeah. And, and that would happen. If you think like
0: so. we're obnoxiously long now, <laughs> good God. Yeah. We had a lot more time back then in, in our lives to talk about stuff. So
1: a lot more time. And um. We truly left no stone uncovered. It'd be like, no, wait, there was an indie show in Hut, Indiana. We didn't discuss this <laughs> right, week. Right. We, did we talk we, about every match from J- <laughs> Big Japan this last month? No, we didn't. Hold on a minute. We missed a match. So. Right, right. Um, did we bury every Twitter enemy that we have? I think we missed a few. <laughs> yeah, there's two more. Did we yeah. get to
0: Leslie again? Yes, we did. Okay, good. All right, oh, here. Leslie. <laughs> that was an OG hater.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, they, no, but I, I always, I, I go back now and I really respect those people that hated us when like a hundred people were listening to our show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like yeah. now it's like, I mean, we have enough people that listen enough. People are going to hate us or whatever. But I mean, those were, those were, I, I now I respect those people. Because they woke up every day and were like, "Fuck these guys! (laughs) I'm gonna take them down." And we were like, a hundred people were listening to them. They represented like five percent of our total listenership, and they're like, "Fuck these guys! (laughs) They suck." Yeah. So I, I, you know, and 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 looking back at the time, I was like, "God, what an asshole." Looking back, I'm like, you know what? I respect that. I respect them waking up and being like, "No, no, no, the world cannot know about these. They these guys must be stopped, and I'm gonna stop them." And they tried and they failed, and that's okay. But we're still here, eleven years later. But yeah, oh, oh. some real OG. There was the Kendo Kashin fan guy that got really upset every single week because either we weren't talking enough about Kendo Kashin or we were talking about him, but we, obviously it's you and I, so we're not huge Kendo Kashin fans, but that dude every week would get on our case about our lack of, or our, his, un, our unappreciative coverage of one Kendo Kashin. I, I, I don't know what happened to that guy. I hope he's doing okay.
1: I, I don't, I don't even remember that guy. You don't remember Kendo so Kashin guy? Was, oh yeah. I yeah. don't remember Kendo Kashin guy. No. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, that's something to to be a dedicated hater of a six month old podcast <laughs> that has 200 listeners that might not that's, record <laughs> that very often doesn't actually right. record. Yeah, right, right. Some of them have sustained. I mean, you know, they'll still fire stuff out every night now and then, you know, st- still out there hating on the boys. We're just we're just out here trying to have fun, Rich. That's all we're doing. We're just out here. Yeah, uh, we're
0: like Caden Carter and uh, and what uh, whatever the hell her other name is uh yeah what's, uh, <laughs>
1: katana chance katana chance yes yeah we're just katana out chance. there trying
0: to drink whiskey and have fun you're not doing the whiskey part you're just doing the fun part though that's okay
1: yeah and uh you know we're just we're just out there trying to have fun like brett Favre. remember they always say that about brett Favre all <laughs> oh, time.
0: yeah when he was throwing interceptors nah, he's just out there out there throwing the ball around just having fun gunslinging. yeah it was,
1: yeah so. we're gunslinging. that's what we're doing just out here gunslinging. <laughs> Trying to talk a little graps. I don't know why. You know, we got to get hated from all these corners. Yeah, well, that's uh, all right.
0: Thank you. I, I appreciate it. they they made us they made us stronger. Right? They just they just gave us ammunition. But yeah. but yeah, every every week on that show when we were doing four or five hour shows was like the Eddie Kingston. You know, Eddie Kingston addresses his enemies graphic. That was on yes. every single week. We're like, all right, yeah. Joe. So this guy sent me a
1: tweet on Thursday,
0: and this is what right. he said. It's like, why would anybody listen to this show? Why are we doing? It? But I don't know
1: yeah yeah that's really that's like that's we'd really go cool one by was. one and be like
0: yeah all right so then this guy said this and he's wrong and dumb because he said just bizarre bizarre beyond Some, uh,
1: sometimes the topics would just be <laughs> reacting to tweets <laughs> right <laughs> you know and it's you know it's uh it's, it's not like vince mcmahon was tweeting at us either it was other people that had no reach uh, right yeah exactly yeah you know, so this like <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, that was uh th- those tapes are all gone though they're, they're
0: all gone, yeah they're tapes. they're on a computer somewhere, but you don't want to hear them, and I'm sure we're gonna get in trouble for yeah whatever. it's not even worth it. so people
1: would love to hear them, and I think you I think you're a little too concerned about the content because even in those days you were you were wise enough to like, you know, every once in a blue moon if if we even creeped to the line, you would you would edit stuff out, you know, because it wasn't live so you 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 were you were afforded that luxury so i i think we probably have a very um misinterpreted in, like uh, memories of of how truly uh, uh, cancelable those shows were. I don't really think they were. Uh, yeah, you're probably you know, right. I, you're, you're probably right. Because yeah, in, in real time, there was
0: times where we'd end a show, and then you and I would both be like, "Oh yeah, no, definitely that <laughs> that part's got to go." And right. more th- more times than not, I would run it by you, and you're like, "Yeah, we should probably get rid of that part." It was it was nothing like truly bad. It was mostly no, just like, was us more, being very mean to like a very particular person, and there was like no need yeah. to be that mean to that particular person. So it
1: was always erring on the side of caution more than you know something like truly deplorable was said or anything. Yeah yeah like yeah that. it was more just like ah, that was
0: long we went way too long bearing that one person for no reason whatsoever so right maybe we do should we do need
1: do we need to poke this hornet's nest as much as we're doing it right. was more like that kind of thing and um but uh but yeah they're they're, they're they're saying put the shows on the patreon feed the problem is they're fucking gone like the the, the there podcast- are a few
0: okay there, there are some that i have on an old laptop but there are like our first year of shows are just fucking gone the service that hosted them one day just deleted them. And I, I didn't back them up like I should have probably backed them up. At that time, I wasn't thinking that we're going to do this thing for 11 years. I didn't think, oh, I better keep every episode in case we have an archive that people are going to want to listen to. So they weren't backed up. I was probably going to plan on doing it at some point. But then our, our, our the service that we were hosting on just deleted all of our stuff and just gone. And I said, hey, what happened to all our stuff? And they never answered our questions. And then they went away. So those shows are gone. Those shows were never getting back. I probably have... On this one laptop, which, by the way, I cannot get fired up, and I've brought to a bunch of different places before to see if they can get this this a uh, uh, hard drive to work. I don't know if it's ever going to work. It's been dropped, and there's been a lot of issues with it. But uh, that's probably 2013 to 2016. I would say all those shows are probably on that one, and then 2017 on is is available various places. You can, you can get some of them on Red Circle, some of them are still on Audio Boom or whatever. But pretty much 2017 on is you're able to find, and I have archives of all that stuff, but yeah, that early stuff, if you want to go back, Oh my, I would love to hear you guys in 2013. I just don't. Yeah. It it might never happen. I I just don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get it off that hard drive. And and there's, there's no, it's not anywhere. It's not anywhere online right now. So unless somebody taped every single episode and put them on on a hard drive or something like that, we're, we're, we're probably, uh, we're probably shut out of luck for that. So.
1: Oh, darn. Yeah, you don't want to hear him
0: anyway. It's probably bad. I I, the, I can't get in the – I mean, I, I I guess like some people are like, oh, I'd love to hear you guys preview like this show, review this show. But I can't imagine going back and listening to like a three-and-a-half-hour show from nine years ago where we're talking about the current events in wrestling. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I just don't see the appeal that much. But hey some people do and i i that is admirable. I, I i appreciate that i appreciate that people do want to go back and and, and listen to those but i i don't the
1: big I, fans rich You're put, you see you don't have enough self confidence well, like usual
0: yeah. You're the big fans rich i also don't want to go through the work of doing all that's a lot of work and and uh we'll see maybe maybe one day maybe one day we'll do it but probably not anyway we're doing this show and this is championship audio right here on uh, this week's episode uh, of the flagship. We are going to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. We got the Battle in the Valley show coming up this weekend. Uh, we also have New to Beginning in Osaka. We're going to review. Uh, That show, we also have Keiji Muto's Grand Final Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdout. The final bye-bye for Keiji Muto uh, is coming up uh, next week. That's going to be on Tuesday, though, so obviously before we're going to do another show. Uh, So we are going to preview that and talk about Okada versus Kiyomiya, a match that's really, really heated up in the last couple of uh, days, uh, as well as Keiji Muto and Tetsuya Naito. So we're going to get to all of that. Uh, God damn it. We do have to cover NWA, enough said. I mean, we watched it, so we might as well talk about it, but... uh, yeah. Yeah. Of all the NWA shows, that was certainly the most recent. So I'm uh, very excited to talk about that one. Uh, we'll touch on MLW and their lawsuit against WWE that has been thrown out, dismissed by Edward J. Davila has said, nah, nah, <laughs> dismissing the case. Uh, we'll touch on, on a little bit of that as well as a ratings follow up uh, to ML. Uh, MLW Underground uh, we talked about last week. Their the debut of the show was up against the State of the Union and LeBron's uh, record-setting night. So we weren't sure if that was the best way to look at MLW Underground, their debut, so we'll look at what they did this week uh, without much competition. Uh, we'll touch on Ring of Honor's TV tapings finally becoming official. Another great guest uh, by you, Joe. Fantastic job yet again uh, with your – I don't even – are they educated guesses? Are they just – uh, w- what would you call your guesses? Because they just continue – one after another to just be right on the money. I, I don't know how do you do it? How do you get away with it? I just don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Clairvoyance know. over there. I don't I don't get it. It's just it's you have tarot Fan cards, fic. you have tarot cards, yeah, Lanza fanfic. Fanfic. <laughs> right.
1: Fucking dork. Turning
0: over your tarot cards. Um, yeah. <laughs> ah, Orlando, Florida, February 25th, February 26th. Yeah. Fantastic out of you. Uh anyway, uh and then we'll talk about the uh, WWE Elimination Chamber coming up this weekend as well including the big story uh what do you do with Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn in the main event undisputed WWE Universal Championship Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn. But we do have to start the show uh, unfortunately with the news of Jerry Jarrett's passing, legendary Memphis wrestling promoter, obviously the father of Jeff Jarrett, uh passed away this week at 80 years old. Jerry jarrett's uh, passed away 80 years old so we'll touch on him a little bit right now so joe uh what uh what sort of memories or uh um legacy do you think uh jerry jarrett left behind and and i guess how do you want to uh however you want to begin feel free to take it we'll uh we'll do what we usually do or just touch on a guy's life and career for for a little bit here
1: yeah jerry jarrett one of the greatest uh, promoters slash backs back behind the scenes figures in in wrestling history Yeah. Uh, a uh, a Hall of Fame promoter, or Hall of Fame, probably a Hall of Fame Booker and promoter, if you really wanted to break it down that way, um, and one of the more instrumental figures in American pro wrestling history. I mean, uh, he started off well. He he started in the wrestling business when basically when he was a toddler, because his mother was involved in the wrestling business, um, first handling tickets and things like that, and a lot and, and like a lot of kids, he would sell concessions and tickets at the shows um you know in that area of the country that 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 meant that that, that gulas welch um what what became to be known as as the memphis territory but I, I i guess we'll get to that um and then eventually he got involved in wrestling as a wrestler and he did that for a few years and you know he had the tag team with tojo yamamoto and mm-hmm. everything
0: and, and some of the most wrestling families, like his mom was like do anything but be in this wrestling business please dear god don't be in this wrestling business but the business. thing
1: was his mother his mother eventually worked full time right for the office like she became a she was a uh, in the office in some capacity a secretary or something like that um you know and then he he went to college and he burned through a couple different um, now I think at one point he was he was planning to become a minister, and that didn't work out. I think he owned a
0: construction business, if I remember
1: correctly, or was in construction. Did. I, I was, forget if he
0: owned the company or if he was just a, a major part of it. But yeah, that tr- may
1: have been after he left wrestling the construction business, um, or he, he may have had a hand in a construction business while he was in wrestling. Um, so you might be right, but I know, you know, eventually he went to, you know, Nick Gulas and 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 got involved in the wrestling end of it and became a wrestler. And then I guess it was in the late sixties or early seventies when he basically, as the, as the story goes, he took out a map and, you know, he drew a line North of the Gulas Welch territory. And he drew a line South of where um, I guess it would be um, bruiser and whoever Bruiser's partners would have been at that time, Wilbur Snyder, I guess. And then he found, he carved out this little triangle of the country where nobody was really doing any promoting. And, and there were a couple cities. It was Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, and maybe a couple cities in Indiana, like Evansville, Indiana, places like that. And he asked Nicholas and Roy Welch if he can do his own thing in that little slice of the country there when no one was really running shows and they gave him the go ahead. So technically he was running his own little mini promotion in in inside the ghouless Welch territory.
0: Right. And this is when he's in his like mid 20s, by the way, too. We're not I mean, this is a young, young man doing this at this time.
1: Yeah. So what happened was he's running one of his first shows in Louisville and Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder show up and the guys from you know, northern Indiana and they're like hey you're in our this is our territory you know and 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 they have a dispute and then eventually they settle for 5% of his gates which you know what rich what that tells me is that Dick DeBruiser and Wilbur Snyder they really didn't have any claim over these talents they <laughs> no, just knew that no. Because if they would, they settled for such a small amount, and they didn't really push the issue. What they did was they went down there and they had this twenty-five-year-old kid, and they figured it, it shit. Is
0: Dick the Bruiser, who's probably yeah. <laughs>
1: taping his wrist, saying, "I think this is our territory." <laughs> yeah, and Jared's like, "Well, you guys haven't run this. Like I checked, you guys haven't run these towns in in years. Like, you know, but uh, but you know, probably to avoid getting his ass kicked or having a major dispute with the NWA, he agreed to give him five percent. And they and they quickly agreed. They went down there to just shake him down and get whatever they could. They probably agreed to, you know, they just were like, well, let's go down there. We could probably shake this kid down, and get a piece of this little territory he's running because we have the last claim to these cities, even though we haven't run them since like 1963. You know what I mean? So, um, and then he picked up some more towns. And then what happened was, uh, Gula, uh, George Gulas and, and uh, Nicholas. Not. Well, we'll get to George Gulas, but Nicholas and Roy Welch. You know, Roy had the western end of the territory and Nick had the eastern end. Nick had Nashville and all those towns, and Welch had Memphis and some of the Arkansas towns. And um, they kind of split the territory down the middle, east, west. And Roy Welch was starting to get a little older and he was starting to get sick. And he saw that Jarrett was doing well with his little piece of the territory in the north. And he made him his booker, you know, to take a little pressure off of himself. You know, he saw that the kid knew what he was doing. And then it was also around that time that there was, it was very tumultuous in Atlanta. Atlanta had passed through, a, I mean, I it would be a whole podcast to go through all the different hands that Atlanta passed through between, you know, Jim Barnett eventually came in and and I think bought Atlanta. And then he wanted Jared to be his booker, booker as well. So yeah, yeah. For, for a short period of time there, Jerry Jarrett was booking the Memphis end of the Tennessee territory and Atlanta at the same time. So what he would do is fly down to Atlanta for the big Friday show and the TV on Saturdays. And he had Bobby Shane as his assistant who he, who would stay in Atlanta. And then he would fly back to Tennessee to run the Tennessee, run his end of the Tennessee territory. So he kind of had two major booking jobs at once. And I'm not even sure he was 30 years old by this point. I mean, if he was, he was. Yeah, in his I early think he's. 30s. Yeah, I
0: think at this point he's either in his, his late late 20s or very early 30s. But yeah, that's a lot of stuff to undertake in, in your you know late 20s, early 30s. He wasn't. But he wasn't in his 40s yet at this point. Nowhere close.
1: Yeah. And Bobby Shane, of course, he that's where Jerry Lawler got the king gimmick because Bobby Shane had been doing the king gimmick, but didn't want it anymore. And he gave Lawler his blessing to just take it over. And then Bobby Shane died in the airplane crash. So it wasn't long after that Bobby Shane died. And then um something happened with Atlanta. I think Barnett ended up selling it Atlanta or, or it changed hands again. But um what happened was then Roy Welch, the Alzheimer's Roy Welch came down with Alzheimer's, and Roy's son and and Nick Gulas. They worked out a deal with Jarrett where Jarrett would buy part of Roy's share and they would give him part of they would he would have to buy part. I don't remember the percentages. He had to buy part of it, they'd give him part of it, and then he would lease part of it from, from Gulas. But at the end of the day, those three shares would would add up to 50%, just like Roy Welch had. So he would be a 50-50 owner of the Tennessee territory with Nick Gulas. So I might have some of these small details wrong. But um, but anyway, so Roy Welch is out of picture. He's got Alzheimer's. He would die shortly thereafter. Um, And now Jerry Jarrett is, he's a 50% owner of Tennessee. Now, here's the thing. Now, here's where it gets, this is where Nicholas tried to fuck him over. So he makes the first payment to Nicholas, the first $50,000 payment, okay? And then a year later, there was another $50,000 payment due. So a year passes and Jarrett tries to pay Nick Gulas, and Gulas says, "You know what? We're all doing great. Don't worry about it. We're making money hand over fist. This is great. G- keep keep your fifty grand, right?" So Jarrett's like, well, all right, you know, whatever." So this was a ploy, though he got he got worked here by Gulas because yep. then what Gulas did is his son George Gulas got involved in the wrestling business, and he was way over pushed. Think Dominic, but maybe even worse. Oh yeah, yeah. This is okay. this is
0: an all timer of, of of nepotism. It, it it blows away the Eric Watts. It blows away it blows away a lot of ones. Yeah, he was way in over his head from the beginning.
1: He didn't he didn't look like a wrestler. He couldn't work. Everybody hated him. Nobody liked putting him over. But he was the boss's son, and he wanted and Nicholas wanted Jarrett to push him hard on the Memphis side of the territory. And Jarrett was like, well, I don't want to do it because this guy sucks, okay? So this is a disaster. So then what Nicholas pulled was, all right, well, you didn't make your second payment, so you don't own anything. So you see, that was his whole, he knew if if Jarrett never paid him that 50,000, at some point he could throw it at him legally because technically Jarrett never completed the transaction for his half of the promotion, even though it was Nicholas who told him, you know, don't worry about it. You know, so the George Gulis thing was really the, the the major sticking point there. So, you know, Jarrett goes to his lawyers, and the lawyers are like, "Look, you can fight this thing. It might get tied up in the courts for years and years. It's going to cost you a lot of money in the end. You might win, you might not, but it's a risk. And even if you win, he might still have a claim in his half of the thing." They're like, "Maybe your best course of action is just to go to him, relinquish your half of the territory." And then just start your own thing. Like, go head to head with him. You know, like, that might be the better option, the cheaper option, than fighting him legally. And the big thing with that is Jarrett had Lawler. Okay? And that was the key to everything. Jarrett had Lawler, who at that point was emerging as the biggest star in the area. And because he had Lawler, even though some of the other guys sided with, with Gulas, including Tojo Yamamoto, who was... Jarrett's former tag team partner, his friend. His Jackie real Far- great
0: friend. Yeah, probably his, his his best friend in the business. And <laughs> kind of Yeah, and
1: even in Jackie Fargo, who was the biggest star in the area before Lawler, like at first he sided with Gulas. And they they liked Jarrett and they but they but they wanted they they basically picked the safer option. The guy they knew had money, the guy they knew uh the you established know, history guy. The guy who was
0: established yeah. in that in that region for for years and years and years before
1: that. And that's exactly it. But um but you know, the, the big key was Lawler. And then, um, then there was the problem with the TV because Nick Nicholas came over and, 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 you know, with channel 13, um, because then Jared went and he recruited Lance Russell, who had been calling the, the TV on channel 13. And he was also the program director. And, but Goulas came down and, and started a bunch of shit. He's like, Hey, look, this is my wrestling promotion and you're not going to air him you're going to air my shit so basically channel 13 wiped their hands of it and said you know what fuck this we don't want wrestling anymore we don't want to deal with this this is this is this is uh, this this dispute and so what jared did is he went to the other channel in town um what was it channel five is it channel, channel five, five? Yeah,
0: channel five i, I forget the called letters but it was channel
1: five so he went to Channel 5 and he said, Look, I can bring you the program director from Channel 13 and I can bring you the weatherman, which was Dave Brown, who mm-hmm. was the most popular television figure in the city. And because Dave Brown and Lance Russell were tight. So what Jared did is he said, All right, well, I, I'll just jump to Channel. And Channel 5 agreed to that. So he brought Lance Russell with him, he brought Dave Brown with him, and he gave Lance Russell a raise. You know, he gave Lance Russell more money then Lance Russell was making as the program director of channel 13 to just be his television announcer. You know, he, he thought he was going to lose Lance Russell cause he couldn't afford him. And he came to find out that a program director on a small channel in Memphis really doesn't make that much money. So, <laughs> right, he, was, right. so, so he was able to pay him and um, you know, and the rest is history. And then they, they you know, that was probably 1977 um, ish. And then they won the war because, you know, they they had the strong TV in Memphis, and the most important part of it was they had Jerry Lawler. So, um, you know, and then it only took a couple of years, and they went head-to-head with, with Nicholas, and they beat him, and Nicholas retired and left the business. And then Jarrett had the entire territory to himself. So that's how Jerry Jarrett came into wrestling, and that's how Jerry Jarrett won a major promotional war. And the thing about Jerry Jarrett is – it's a shame that a lot of modern fans might only know him as the guy who started up NWA TNA and the failed weekly pay-per-view model. But you know, the one thing about Jerry Jarrett is you look at his career and you look at all the decisions he made. He almost always made the right decisions and the, and he also knew how to get out of bad deals. What gets lost sometimes to history is that he, he realized in a matter of weeks that, that the weekly pay-per-view model was a bomb, that it was a dog. And he was looking to get out and it only took him a couple of months to sell the 70% or 80% interest to Panda Energy and get out of that. You know, he stayed on as a minority owner and he stayed on as like a, you know, office guy or whatever. I don't know necessarily whether he was the booker or whatever, but he, but the financial burden he had passed that to Panda Energy when did TNA start? Like in March or April, and like by November, he didn't know. Yeah, November.
0: yeah, it, it started so, in uh, yeah two thousand two. Let me get, let me get the exact day. I believe March or April, like you're saying, and then yeah, it was pretty much done. He was effectively uh, June. Sorry, it started in June, and he was effectively out, uh, or the company was effectively trying to, you know, get the Pan Energy deal, like you said, in September. September, October. So very, very quickly, a combination of them realizing it wasn't going to work and then Jay Hassman, who has been mentioned many times on various... Uh, I, I've discussed him on, on, on Flagship Patreon stuff as well. Also, the You've Got to Be Kidding Me podcast uh, on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network going over Retro uh, TNA uh, has touched on him as well. A guy that was just straight up... Their 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 business manager who was straight up just def- defrauding. He was just full-out fraud saying, "Hey, you're selling X amount of pay-per-views. They were not selling X amount of pay-per-views. And, and, and Jerry, to his credit... Pretty early on, said, There's this. Doesn't, are we sure? We, we're really selling this many favorites. Are you kidding? We're selling this. And, and maybe they believed it once or twice or whatever, but then very quickly realized hold on a minute. We got to look into these numbers and quickly found out these numbers are all bullshit. And this thing is nowhere near where we think it is. And like you said, to their credit realizing, well, let's not just push through and push through and push through. Let's see whatever we can do to, 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 you know, work this out. And we're, we're jumping ahead in the Jerry Jarrett, you know, lineage either. But another thing too, is like taking that risk, just, just the, the very idea of starting a second company, at that time in 2002, when WWF has such a monopoly on, on the wrestling world and saying, fuck it, we're going to start this new company. We're going to try to be innovative with it. We're going to try to do some different things. We're trying to get those lapsed WW fans or whatever. I mean, it took a lot of balls to do that. And yeah, was it going to, you know, was it spiraling out of control within a couple of months? It was. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. There's no denying that. There's no, but hell, they. Did it, and they made it, and they were able to make a good deal, enough of a deal, and, and Pan Energy was enough invested in them, and Dixie Carter was enough invested in them, and 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 she was able to get Bob Carter enough invested in them to say, you know what, screw it, let's bankroll this thing, and they're still around today. They're still around in 2023. So, you know, yeah, was it spiraling out of control immediately? It, it, it was, but it still took a lot of balls to, to even start that company and and to be as ambitious as they were from day one. So. You know, yes, you can kind of joke and laugh. Oh, my God, weekly pay-per-views. That's not going to work or whatever. But but I do think they deserve a little bit of credit for a doing it and then b being able to, you know, have enough of proof of proof of concept for Dixie to sell it to Bob for her to then, you know, bail that company out and, and still be alive today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just give him credit for knowing immediately that it was a terrible idea and getting out. I right. mean, that, that's. The one thing with Jerry Jarrett is it was always, uh, you know, about what's going to make me money and what's not going to make me money. And he always kept his eye on the ball. I mean, there wasn't really a lot of ego there. It was okay. I thought this weekly pay-per-view thing would work. It didn't. How the fuck do I get out of this? You know, and, and, and he did. And it's like, okay, so he loses his TV, you know, with channel 13 and he says, all right, well, how do I make the best of this? He knows he had a decent relationship with Lance Russell and he knows if he can get Dave Brown, then he can, you know, and Channel Channel 5 tells him, look, if you can get Dave Brown and Lance Russell, we'll put your wrestling on TV. And he got it done. You know, he paid Lance Russell, he doubled Lance Russell's salary, and he delivered Dave Brown, and, and he got Channel 5 to put him on TV. He had the foresight in his early 20s to say, hey, you know, there's some cities around here that nobody's running, you know, and I can get my foot in the door, and instead of taking bumps, I can run my own little territory, And, you know, uh, make money that way. And, And he did it. And even at the end of Memphis in the, you know, mid 90s, when it was very clear that it was over, you know, after the 1991, 1992 thing where he cut the deal with Vince, which was basically, which was another smart thing because everyone was afraid of Vince at that point in terms of the other territories that were hanging on by a thread, right? He called Vince and he said, well, listen, how about we make a deal? You send me a star now and then. And then you can send your young wrestlers, guys trying things out and I'll train them for you and I'll get guys ready for TV and we can, you know, I wash your back, you wash mine. And Vince went for that. Yeah. No. And
0: and he didn't and, work. With, I mean, Vince at that time wasn't working with anybody, man. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, you know, yeah, there was a little bit of the smoky stuff in, in, in 93 or whatever, but this yeah. Before
1: I, that, anyway. Yeah, yeah no, was, well,
0: that's what I mean. Yeah, and then he would later be able to sell him on it in the mid-90s, too, but he was able to get the usually pretty isolationist Vince McMahon to to, to agree to work with him many times.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, he and, and then a few years later, when he saw that it was just really, it was just all over, then he sold to Lawler and whoever lawler's partner was i don't remember the other guy's name but you know and and then he then he just washed his hands and he got out you know um, which is another so- fun
0: story of him making money too cuz like you know the story goes that that Jerry was like, "This is over. I'm I'm just going to sell this thing. Like I'm just going to let this thing go and I let it die and move on with my life or whatever." And like pretty much the week that he decides that Jerry Lawler, or Jerry Lawler calls and says, "Hey, I'll give you, you know a quarter of a million dollars for your shares," and Jerry goes, mm, "All right, you got a <laughs> yeah. deal. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, let yeah. me think on that. Uh, all right, yeah, you got a deal. <laughs> you know, sure. Uh, can you write that check now and <laughs> send it to me today? Can you wire it over?" Because he was ready to just call it thing. He knew it was over. And yeah, when, yeah. When, when when Lawler came with that deal, he was like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll take a." of a million dollars to sell this thing that I was going to close anyway. So yeah, sure. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and in between winning the war in 77 and, you know, really the early nineties, you know, Memphis was just, you know, they made a lot of money, you know, between and, and the formula was very simple. It was, it was Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee predominantly, um, you know, taking turns, you, you know, with the book, And so they wouldn't burn out, you know, they would alternate and it was built around Jerry, Jerry Lawler predominantly, but, you know, Lawler playing off of Bill Dundee, you know, their runs as a tag team. And then they would break up and then they'd have the loser leave town matches. And then Dundee would go to whatever other territory for a while and he would come back and rinse repeat, you know, and it would work. And, And then they would do their monster of the, you know, monster of the month gimmick, you know, with, you know, someone would come in. And even if they were green or necessarily didn't know how to work, you know, they would get something out of guys. They'd bring them into Memphis and they'd win a couple squash matches, and then they would beat Lawler for the title. And then Lawler would, you know, they'd have the big rematch at Mid South Coliseum, and Lawler would. That's why Lawler is like a you know nine thousand time champion because they would just repeat that over and over and over, you know. And and um, and and Memphis was always. It's funny because in Memphis's heyday. A lot of the other promoters and a lot of uh, even fans, you know, they, they, Memphis was like considered a trash territory, overly gimmicked. And they do that trashy wrestling and it's all brawling and gimmicks and, and Jarrett didn't care. Jarrett was just like, "What's gonna make me money?" What's <laughs> right, gonna I don't f-
0: give a shit. I got a full Mid South Coliseum. I don't give a shit. That's yeah. it.
1: What's gonna fill that building every you know Monday night or whatever night it was? That, I think it was Monday nights that they ran. You know, what's gonna fill that building? You know, that's all I'm concerned with. And you know, and and the other promoters would always take them aside at the you know the meetings. Then they'd be like, you know, you're you the old you're gonna kill the business bullshit. You know, and and um, he'd always say, "Look, it doesn't." You know, he was always very forward thinking in that way. And and you know, a lot of the wild gimmicky stuff that they tried, a lot of it didn't land. I mean, Memphis had a lot of shit that was duds and and didn't work. And, um, but a lot of shit did, you know, and, and, you know, Jarrett was always, you know, like, like I have this quote from him. This is from a, uh, interview with Wade Keller from, let me get you to date. Uh, this is from, uh, June 2nd, 1993. He's talking to, to Wade Keller and, Keller is asking him about Jushin Thunder Liger and Cactus Jack and the crazy things that they're doing in the ring. This is, Remember, this is 1993. Um, and how people are saying that, you know, those guys are going to kill the business or whatever. Right, because Jushin Liger is doing shooting star presses or whatever. That's killing the business. Yeah, and Cactus Jack is like doing the elbow to the floor and all, that, and all that, you know. And this is 1993. And I mean, you still hear this stuff today. And I you look around and the business isn't dead, right? But this was Jarrett's answer in 93. And I quote, I sat in on national wrestling Alliance meetings as a kid, literally as a kid and heard this same thing discussed with Argentina Raca. They said, he's killing the business with all that aerial shit. I'm telling you the wrestling business doesn't change. Everything is relative to its day. And Argentina Raca set the wrestling world on its ear because he was such an aerial artist End quote. So it's like, this is what a lot of us already know now, right? Like, the the, the the prior generation always complains that the next generation is going to kill wrestling because guys are doing too much. And here we have Wade Keller asking Jarrett about Jushin Liger and Cactus Jack 30 years ago. And... Jared had an anecdote from 30 years before that, that people <laughs> right, thought right. Antonina Rocca was going to kill the And business 30 because, years
0: from now, Will Osprey will be complaining about kids not being able to work a hold or whatever. It, it, it's going to happen. It's just how it always goes.
1: Yeah. And um, here's another one from Jared. Here's another quote. He says, uh, let me tell you a story. I told you about the relationship I had with Eddie Graham. We were very close in 1978. Eddie Graham had a plane. And he called me and said, Jerry, I want to pick you up in Nashville and I'm going to take you to Memphis with me. I said, okay. On the way down, he said, I wanted to get you way up here in the air so you'd know I wasn't telling anyone else this. And I I want just you to know, you are killing the wrestling business. I said, what do you mean, Eddie? And he said, all this shit you're doing in Memphis, chain matches, scaffold matches, coal miners, glove matches, you've just carried it way too far. And I said, well, I'm making a lot of money, Eddie. And I don't think so. I think a good movie is a good movie. Whatever I see in the movie, the more adventure, the more action, it won't preclude me from coming back. I can tell you that. Lewis and Roy Welch are absolutely up shit's Creek if they try to get another booker to follow me because only I can follow myself, end quote. So he was kicking back on this shit in the 70s, you know, and telling these guys that they were full of shit. And uh, basically what he was saying to Eddie Graham was, Don't worry about, like, maybe they can't follow what I'm doing. (laughs) Right, right. But I can follow what I'm doing. I got ideas. And, you know, he makes the movie analogy in that, you know, nobody stops going to movies because they think they've seen it all. Right. And the idea being that, you know, you just keep going and you have to, uh, you got to top yourself, which leads to this next great quote, which also gave, gives a lot of perspective and is relevant to a lot of stuff here today. He says, uh, quote, I listen to ESPN and I get a kick out of them arguing about whether Muhammad Ali could beat Joe Lewis. Well, Joe Lewis told me riding to a card in Memphis to referee one of our matches, me being a stupid mark, I asked Joe, who would have won that fight, Joe? And he told me, in track, every year records are broken. In baseball, every year records are broken. Any sport that's able to be measured, every year the athletes are better. Muhammad Ali would have knocked me out in the first round. You get the old timers so we'll argue till they're blue in the face. But, Jerry, every year the athletes are better than the previous year. So when you think about that, anytime there's a sport that can be measured, you could put a tape measure to a javelin in the discus. You could put a stopwatch to a runner. Anything that can be measured, the athletes are better today than they've ever been. So why do we want to ground the wrestlers and say, you're doing too many drop kicks, end quote? Hear, hear. You know, it's like, Joe Lewis told him himself, Muhammad <laughs> Ali
0: <laughs> would knock my ass out. Are you kidding? <laughs> you
1: think I'm beating Ali? Get the hell out of here. So yeah. then Jared, Jared had an epiphany. He's like, "Why are we? Why are we limiting what the wrestlers should do? Right? It doesn't make any sense. Just get in there and make money. Do whatever is going to draw money. You know, worry about tomorrow tomorrow. And they did. In Memphis, they constantly topped themselves. And 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 again, a lot of the other promoters thought what they were doing was horse shit. And garbage and too gimmicked and, you know, but they just lived in their little and that and, you know, history has reflected kindly on Memphis.
0: Yeah. Well, and all of them are dead or all of them were dead. And he I mean, he ran until what? Nineteen ninety seven. Right. I mean, obviously, it was somewhere. It was, on you know, it's dying days over the last, you know, 10 years or so. But, yeah, they were all gone by, you know, the the mid to late 80s. And he hung on until the late 90s so yeah it definitely and like history like you said history has definitely been kind to memphis memphis tends to be one of the more revered when when people go back and watch stuff these days when people recap stuff these days uh people tend to really really like memphis stuff i've I've always kind of been indifferent on Memphis, and I think you're kind of the same way too. Like anytime I watch it, there's sometimes where it really lands with me, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is awesome. This is really, really good." Uh, and there's other times where I don't know. Just for a lot of it depends on like how big of a you know Jerry Lawler guy are you, and I'm not as big as other people are, so that tends to kind of limit me a little bit. And I tend to prefer like a mid south, like a, you know a little bit more of the mid south style and the, and and the work of the mid south and the, the way the stories were. But I mean, I definitely respect the hell out of what Memphis did, but no, uh, it, it, it's it's it's. It's well, you know, it, going back and rewatching it now, it holds up pretty well. It's just not always my cup of tea. I I, I prefer a few other territories, but I, I definitely see why people go back and enjoy Memphis as much as they did. And I see why it was so successful uh, in the time as well. I mean, they 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 understood what the crowds wanted. They understand who their hot, top stars were, and they understood the the you know that what. What basic template of a story worked and just did that same thing over and over and over and over again, and, and it worked every single time. It, it never got old. I mean, it, it, it lasted forever, pretty much just doing that same sort of, like you said, templated story, but inserting guys there and always being great at promos. That, that's the one thing when you watch a Mid South it's like the in-ring action tends to be a little bit better. And there's your few people that can cut really, really good promos or whatever you watch Memphis, man. And up and down that show, everybody on there can cut a promo. And that, that was such a, you know, if Dave Brown and, 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 and Lance Russell, and they're just so good at hosting the show and, and so good at giving that gravitas to the show. And then everybody could cut promos too. the in-ring work. Maybe wasn't exactly my cup of tea. And I prefer the in-ring work of a bunch of other territories, but yeah, you, you can't deny the, 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 the promo ability and just the, the presentation that Memphis gave. I mean, it, you, you can watch a show. Um, uh, earlier today, I was watching a Memphis show from 1980, 1980, and it hit all the beats of a normal modern wrestling show. You know, what I mean, everything right down to it's 1980. You know what I mean? Like the production looked great, the the the, the camera work looked good, uh, the the presentation of the hosts and Lance Russell and Dave Brown. I mean, just it, it's it's it was so ahead of its time in the way that it presented television wrestling. And yeah, a lot of the stuff is still commonplace today of of, of how to present. You know engaging wrestling television weekly wrestling television it, it, it you know they they really set the template in a lot of ways
1: yeah i have a complicated relationship with memphis um obviously the tv is a lot of fun sometimes though people tend to forget a lot of the shit that didn't work but for the most part the tv's fun i love the studio wrestling i thought lance russell is obviously the greatest to ever do it um you know the promos are fantastic loaded with angles what you couldn't call their television ever was boring um you know it, it's the old the old thing that people would say is Vern Gagne would do one or two angles per year on his television and that really was the truth memphis would do one or two angles per hour i
0: mean <laughs> yes. it was just <laughs> yeah i watched an episode yeah. today that that i just went uh, it was the jerry lola return episode back in uh, 1985 86 i forget the the year or whatever and yeah it's like an hour and a half show and there yeah I mean, there's like nine different like major angles that go on in the show including a show long story of, of 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 guys you know it's just yeah it, it's wild and then yeah you go watch awa and it's like yeah it's the opposite end of the spectrum for sure
1: yeah and um you know, and and th- the problem, though, that I have with Memphis is I have never, ever been able to connect with Jerry Lawler. He just doesn't do a goddamn thing for me. And, and, and that's going to be a problem when the promotion is built around Jerry right. Lawler for right. 15 years. It's like Lawler, I get it. I do get it. OK, and there are people, smart people, people who know what they're talking about, who will tell you. That Jerry Lawler is the greatest pro wrestler to ever live. And I understand where they're coming from. And I understand why they say that. And I obviously disagree. It's one of those things that I disagree with, but I understand. You know you know what I mean? Like I. Yeah, it's not my I, pick. It wouldn't be. It, he wouldn't be
0: anywhere, anywhere near my top 10 or whatever. But I'm not going to argue with it. I'd be like, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Because it it's, it's, it's a vibe thing with Lawler. You either connect with it or you don't. And I, I'm kind of like you. I've never quite. Gotten it, but the people that get it, I get why they get it. I mean, it's 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 hard to it's hard to articulate, but but I I know exactly what you're saying. It's like you know I'll watch Jerry Lawler, and I'm like "Eh, I don't know, yeah, this isn't too much. But the people that say, well, here he did this, and he did, I I appreciate it, I really do. It just doesn't it doesn't connect with me like it does other people.
1: I wouldn't have him in my top hundred. I mean, I you know I I he does nothing for me, but you know, and they ran the same angle over angles over and over with Lawler, and to me it was repetitive, and and his charisma which is undeniable just wasn't the kind of charisma that ever connected with me. And, you know, as a baby face, you know, the same angles over and over pulling down the strap, the match structures were similar. Um, Probably a better bell to bell wrestler than people who haven't seen him in his prime would give him credit for if you've only seen him when he was older because he did, you know, he did take crazy bumps and um, he wasn't a super athletic guy, but he would take crazy bumps. He obviously threw the great punches that people love, and and you know he was so over with those people in Memphis that the matches are just when you're talking about heat. I mean, there's Noki there's Pete Hogan, and you you got to put Lawler right in that category. Those matches just, you know, maybe not the same kind of heat that you'd get with an Anoki and maybe not the same kind of explosive, the roof is blowing off the building kind of pop that you'd get with Hulk Hogan. But Lawler would have that sustained heat throughout a match where people just, you know, they wanted him to win so bad, you know, and, and, and his matches did, you know, you can't deny that he was over, Um, even if he wasn't my cup of tea. and, And a lot of times I watch these, these, these hyped and revered Lawler matches and, it's a weird thing where I understand where people are coming from, but I just, they I don't enjoy them as much as these other people enjoy them, but I get why they enjoy them. It, it's a, it's a weird thing with them. And that's why Memphis is, is kind of complicated for me where, you know, um, it's almost like I've always preferred continental. And this is where it gets confusing because for a while Memphis, the Memphis territory was known as continental wrestling association, CWA, <laughs> right? and then that southeastern promotion the Alabama promotion run by the Fullers was for a time known as Continental but not you know what i mean and it's like it went through different it was southeastern it was continental it was you know so when i say continental i'm now talking about the fuller/armstrong slash promotion in the in, in Alabama and north florida i always which was kind of a easy comparison to make with the memphis territory because they were so close geographically and they were very similar style wise I always preferred Continental's TV, you know, and because it's very similar to Memphis, but to me, it was like more, I don't know the word I'm looking for, hard hitting. I don't even know if that's the right word. More serious. I don't know if that's the right word. It was more, I, I don't know. more It just what vibed I, with you a little bit more. It wasn't and, and, as silly. It yeah, wasn't as right. silly yeah. as Memphis, is, is maybe the best way I can put it, you know? And maybe they didn't have as charismatic of a top guy as Lawler. Maybe they didn't have a guy as even as charismatic as Dundee, but- Man, I'll watch the Fullers and the Armstrongs just beat the fucking shit out of each other all day long. Like I, that just connects more with me. And you get the same, you know, wild studio antics and and great promos and all of that that you get in Memphis. But um, but I get why people love Memphis, and 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 history has really reflected well on it because, like you said earlier, it probably is the most revered territory. Maybe Crockett crockett and memphis are neck and neck right you would say oh for sure yeah i was forgetting through modern I, I, eyes crockett's a weird one where i feel like people don't
0: it is it is a territory you know what i mean but i feel like people kind of put it in a different category because it it, it became wcw you know what i mean so it it feels like it's maybe a little different that people kind of treat it a little bit different because it, it it morphed into what would become a national territory in wcw so uh but yeah if you're if, if you do count crockett as as i would say but i would say even then i think that memphis is probably more revered by your you know I and
1: mean, you know when people talk crockett they're really talking three years when people talk about how great crocker was they're talking about 86 to 88 let's be right honest. right right okay nobody's talking about like before dusty got there and it was you know a whole lot of uh you know like like when uh who was the booker before dusty it might have been dory um or, or George George Scott. Maybe, I was say George that was Scott. Even,
0: yeah, George Scott probably.
1: That was even earlier though. That was like the late seventies. But like I think the guy right before Dusty might have been someone in the chat might know. I think it was like Dory, and you had a lot of like, uh, oh fuck, who's the who's the guy? I'm tra- it, it wasn't the Dusty completely changed the tone of the territory when he came in. So I think when people talk Crockett, they're they're not talking. When people talk Memphis, they're talking about a fifteen to twenty year period. When people talk Crockett, they're talking Dusty's Crockett from '86 to '88. Right, you
0: can go, you can go to Memphis and pretty much, and 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 the stuff that I've watched, you know, you could pretty much go from 1980 until hell, you can probably even go a little sooner. But I always kind of do like 1980 to like 1988. 87 88 where it's like good it's like really good almost that entire time with a lot of the same top dudes and a lot of the same top stars or whatever but yeah you could pretty much go up until the uswa stuff which i think begins in what 89 i want to say 88 89 uh the uswa stuff but you could pretty much go from yeah the late 70s you know, 78, 79, I think was when it really gets going. Like I said, I usually go to 80. And then 80 to 88 is like really, really good. That's eight years. It's a long time in that era, a long time, especially in the midst of what was going on around them, which was very quickly, you know, the national expansion of the WWF going on, you know, starting in, 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 you're in really getting hot and heavy in 83, 84, 85, and really then just wiping everybody else out and everybody else freaking out and going nuts and going crazy and going out of business and entering deals and doing all this sort of stuff. You know, Memphis stuck in and, and, and stuck through what was still doing their. Thing and still doing good business uh, until 1988, and 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 Dave uh, Melter this morning talked about uh, on Observer Radio how you know local Memphis TV wouldn't want to show WWF stuff even as WWF is growing and growing and growing. And Saturday Night's main event, I think Dave Dave mentioned this specifically. Saturday Night's main event was supposed to be on the NBC affiliate uh, in Memphis, and they said no, we're not going to show it because we don't want it to hurt. Memphis, because we don't want it to hurt our regular because we know that if people see this stuff and it's these giant buildings and these stars and the pomp and circumstances and the pyro and value or whatever that that this is gonna hurt people, you know, their their what they think of Memphis wrestling. And this is our wrestling. This is our wrestling in our area and our territory and stuff, and we're not gonna show it. And eventually, you know, they had to relent and say, All right, fine, we'll show it. But you know, they 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 didn't want, you know, the, the, the locally people liked their Memphis wrestling and were more than happy with it, and just you know, and and it speaks to the fact that, yeah, they were able to say, fuck. We don't really need that expansion here because we have Memphis and we're good. And and, and yeah, the business stayed strong until the late 80s and way, way longer than a lot of those other people. Like you said, a lot of people that are saying, oh, he's killing the business, he's killing the business, He's killing the business. Well, they're all dead. And he's still, you know, he's still hanging around in Memphis. So it's just a testament to just what they were able to do there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Crockett was guys like Johnny Weaver and people like that before Dusty came in and kind of turned the whole roster over and brought in Magnum TA and the road warriors and the, and the four put the four horsemen together. And all of a sudden Crockett became just the coolest professional wrestling promotion, maybe ever still to this day for that little two or three year period. So, you know, Memphis was a 15, 20 year thing where you can put on a tape of any of those shows. And um, during that time from, you know, 77 to 95 or whatever, and it's, it's going to be essentially, you know they had their peaks and valleys like any other territory, but it's essentially going to be the same feel and the same type of promotion and 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 of similar quality throughout all of those years. Um, you know, so um, in you know when it comes to tape heads and historians and people who like to go back and watch old wrestling, Memphis has kind of risen above its previous reputation as kind of the trashy territory that other promoters would mock and and snub their nose at to maybe the preeminent territory um you know with in terms of uh historical viewing right. um that people and you know a lot of the a lot of the 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 early ecw wrestlers and ecw itself and all that were heavily influenced by memphis i mean when eddie gilbert came to philly and was booking you know we're going through all this right now in November you know gilbert wanted you know he patterned himself after jerry lawler and he wanted to be the king of philadelphia the way that jerry lawler was the king of memphis and and gilbert booked ecw very similar to the way that that memphis was booked and even when gilbert left philly you know there was still so much memphis influence with ecw and a lot of those guys like the blue meanie and stevie richards maybe not richards but blue meanie and some of these other guys when they were teenagers they would drive to Memphis to go to those shows like from Philly you know and and, and they all learned from that style and everything and and a lot of those Philly based wrestlers were were huge Memphis guys you know and and so the the Memphis influence I mean if you go watch some of that old Memphis stuff the influence is obvious the way it influenced you know uh, so much stuff that came afterwards yeah but but you know there's some knocks on Jerry Jarrett. I mean Memphis was maybe the worst payoff territory in the country. I mean they just he didn't pay anybody. Yeah, he he know? liked to make money like you said. He 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 often cared
0: about what made him money and not necessarily what made everybody else money. Uh so yeah, the payoffs not always good and 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 yeah, the the, the big guys got their payoffs but yeah, everybody else pretty much. And he kind of you know, for better or worse considered a lot of the other people interchangeable you know he had his big stars he had his guys he had his Dundees and his lawyers and, and, and those guys and pretty much everybody else could be kind of put in and put out so there was no real reason to pay those people a ton of money and, and yeah so uh a well-known reputation is, is not being the best uh you know hey the house didn't do well so well you're screwed <laughs> here's your money there you go i mean All just right, no- you know.
1: just notoriously bad payoffs yeah you know 25 dollars a night and people knew that, you know, Memphis could be a launching pad to, to something else. And, and, you know, but people really didn't like going to Memphis. And Lawler, of course, always had a piece, you know, on top of being the top guy. he had Right, a right. He had to add a percent. Now, now, remember, he, he part of the deal. I can't remember if it was part of the deal when when Lawler sided with Jarrett. Or later on where Jarrett gave Lawler a piece and then I
0: thought it was when Lawler started becoming a megastar and, and, and Lawler realized, the oh, shit, did. or uh, Jarrett realized, oh, shit, I better give this guy something if, he, if I'm going to keep him around. And yeah, I, I think that's the way it went, but, but I, I could be wrong and someone will correct us if we, if we are. But yeah, I, so- I think
1: it was after Lawler had
0: already established himself as being a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah, so, but what happened was he was, he forgot that he made that verbal deal with Lawler because, because then Lawler, Lawler and Lance Russell at one point almost split from Jared. Right. Lance never got that percentage, by the way. <laughs> he asked for
0: it and Jerry said, "Uh, yeah, Lawler, I'll give you a percentage. Lance, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, they so did they, not get along after that. That, that uh, kind of ended that relationship, even though they worked together for many, many years after that. But uh, that, uh, that kind of soured Lance Russell on, on, on Jerry Jared in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, they almost split and did their own thing, but, um, you know, and and there was tumultuous times and 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 again and they would Dundee, you know, was always second fiddle to Waller and, and he would lead like the and then of course the big mid-south trade, which I know we've told the story a million times, but we may as well tell the blowjob story. It. Let's do the blowjob
0: story one more time. Yeah.
1: You know, so this was probably eighty-four. Eighty-four, yeah. And you know, Watts. Jarrett came down from Memphis to visit Watts and they both, both places were struggling a little and they were proposing a talent exchange. And so Jarrett came down to take a look at Watts locker room. And, and, you know, that's when he looked around and he said, you know, Bill, where's the blowjobs? And, and Watts was incredulous. He's like, look, man, I look what you do on your own time, but I'm not going <laughs> okay, to help you out. With that. Like,
0: I'm just looking at book wrestling. Yeah. You know?
1: You know, I, don't, I don't have that for you. Okay. And, and Jarrett had to explain to him, that in Memphis, blowjobs was a slang term for young, good-looking baby faces. You know, I guess with the implication that they bring girls to the building, and hence everybody gets some blowjobs. But uh, you know, that's what they called your your you know. Um, so anyway, they worked out a trade because Watts was like, you know, come to think of it, because you know, Bill Watts, he loves his big burly heavyweights, right? So his his territory was very one-dimensional with all these big guys, and uh, Memphis was more of a mix. So they worked out the trade and I'm, I'm good to try to get it right. It was the rock and roll express, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, who were not a tag team yet. That's important here. So Condry and Eaton as singles guys, the rock and roll express, Jim Cornette, who started off as a photographer in Memphis and then was a manager, but he was always going to be number two to Jimmy Hart. He was never going to surpass Jimmy Hart. So Memphis, they liked him, but they saw him as expendable. Jim Cornette and Terry Taylor. And I might be missing a guy or two and going from mid South to Memphis was Jim Neidhart, who was a pushed guy, but not a top guy, Rick Rude, who was still an enhancement guy for Watts, but everyone knew he had potential. Um, Hacksaw Higgins. And there was somebody else. I can't remember, but those were the predominant names. So, basically you could see the trade here it's young good-looking guys going going to mid-south and it's like bigger stronger they, they were helping each other with what the other side didn't have basically and i mean watts ended up getting the much better end of the deal because not only did he get the rock and roll express not only did he get terry taylor who did very well in 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 mid-south but he got condry eaton and cornet and watts put them together And that was the formation of the Midnight Express. And we did this when we did the Midnight Express deep dive. You know, he put those guys together and he was like, you know, because he knew Cornette could talk and he knew that Condry and Eaton, well, especially Eaton could not. And, you know, he figured Condry and Eaton could work together well as a team. And he told them, you guys come up with a name. And that's when Dennis Condry, who had been in the original Midnight Express with Randy Rose, uh, you know, years earlier, a couple of years earlier, probably 82, 83, you know, he said, ah, well, I was in this team called the Midnight Express, and then they just went with it. it very and... good. <laughs> Perfect. Sorry, that yeah, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they weren't really a sequel of the con- of the previous Condry team. And and if Conjury hadn't thought of it in that moment, all of history could be different because maybe Cornette would have thought of some a name or Bobby Eaton would have thought of a name. But Conjury just pitched that because he had used it before. And then, of course, that combination, those three guys was just magic. That was like, you know... If Watts was able to foresee that, then he's truly a fucking genius. I mean, more than likely, it was just more random than anything else, but that just worked. And then obviously, with, you know, they had, they drew all that money with the Rock and Roll Express there first, and then they took that feud to Crockett later on and everything. But, you know, that was, you know, that's the infamous blowjob story, which isn't even so infamous anymore because I feel like we've told that story a thousand times. times. But it's like, you know, so, you know, Jarrett, again, you know but he recognized what watts didn't have you know young good-looking guys that can draw women to the shows you know and he was right and he was right (laughs) because it immediately you know it helped their business a ton he got fleeced in the trade i mean let's call it like it is i mean hacksaw higgins is a footnote in history (laughs) right jim neidhart neidhart i mean okay rick rude i mean okay maybe he saw the potential in rude but he didn't really you know break out there or anything and and um you know, we're. I'm probably missing one or two names on both sides, but um, I'm certainly not missing anybody who would have made up the difference of getting the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, and Terry Taylor, who all drew a shit ton of money for for Watts, especially the first two. But, um, and I mean, Terry Taylor was really great for Mid South. Oh too, hell yeah! Movies. Yeah. He so you know that was, but um, yeah, and 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 like we said, Jarrett made the deal with McMahon a few years later. You know, in in '91 or whatever it was. And, um, yeah, just, a uh, a very instrumental figure and someone who, uh, wasn't afraid to do things his way. And I know that he had the falling out with Jeff Jarrett when he finally separated himself from TNA. They didn't, they really had no relationship for like 10 years, but I know that in recent years they did very patch recently, things yeah. up and, um, you know, they did the, 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 uh the territory, the 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 Vice show recently together. Um, what was that? Tales from the Territories? Uh, Tales from the territories.
0: Still. Yeah, I, I still have all those on my DVR. I need to watch them one of these days. But
1: yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of stories that you probably haven't heard, but it's fun listening to those guys tell them. You know, and um, you know, but but it, it, it. I watched them all, and I they didn't really cover a lot of new ground for me, so I figure it'll be similar for you. It's still an interesting watch, and it's it's also fun to identify the guys that are clearly bullshitting. Like you could tell that there's some stuff that's total <laughs> right. bullshit. Yeah, you know. But um, but yeah. So anyway, I I do I do know that they had reconciled, and um, he died of esophagus cancer, I think. So I don't know necessarily if it was um uh, a shock, or I don't know if it came as a surprise Jerry Jarrett's death, because um, I had Jeff Jarrett worked dynamite last night. You know, so um you hey, know. hey, no, no
0: better tribute than making a town. You know what I mean? No better tribute to your dad who lived in, the, who, born into the wrestling business, literally born into it than to make a town. You know what I mean? So I—that's I, true. And and
1: and nobody, and and everyone grieves differently too. Like I, I hate when people judge people for the way they grieve. It's like look, everyone deals with things and grieves differently. You know, and 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 yeah, it's a wrestling family. So like you're saying, making the town is probably something that Jerry would want Jeff to do.
0: Right, yeah, or, or you know. it's going on right now with the brisco with Mark. It's like Mark yeah. looks like yeah. he just wants to fucking wrestle. It's like maybe that's how he's like, you know, no, yeah. should he? Some people want him to just sit there and wallow, and maybe he's like, fuck it, I'm on a wrestle. You know, what I mean, that's my best tribute to my brother is I go out there and I wrestle, and I, I'm on TV every week, and I'm bringing his name, you know that. And and yeah, some people have I, I've seen some weird stuff about. Oh, Mark doesn't seem that I thought he'd be more upset about it than what's going. On. Well, now maybe you know, man. Let me tell you something about the
1: Pew family. I hope. And pray that I can handle death the way that those. Yeah, people are.
0: I can't handle it at all. They, I, God, a dog's death people. is going to kill me. I, I can't. I, I think about that every day now. Not my death. Not yeah. a, I feel about my dog when they die. I'm. I, I think because the one's getting a little old, and like every day I wake up and I'm like, God damn it, he's going to die one of these days. And <laughs> it's like killing me. It kills me inside.
1: It's no picnic, man. I mean, I just I I think about if my wife goes before me, or I mean, it, it, that family is just amazing. I mean, you know, and I, I, and I don't look, I, I, I'm envious of someone like Mark Briscoe, you know, he's so be that strong. Yes. And, you know, he's just, and you you can tell it's genuine and he just, he's okay with it. And they, they are just convinced he's in a better place and that they are going to meet him again, you know, and, and, and I don't have I, I admittedly don't have that kind of faith in my life, you know, and. Maybe that's one big advantage that people who do have that kind of faith yeah. have is that they can deal with death better than shitheads like me and you can deal with. It. I'm just like oh, I'm gonna be dead and everyone's gonna be gone and no one's gonna remember me forever. <laughs> it's just like you know, you know, and, and Mark's <laughs> saying, Oh, I know Jay just wants me to carry on and and you know that's amazing to me. Right. I you know, think and, I'm just
0: gonna and, rot in the ground and people are gonna either yeah. care about me or not care about me. And that's how my life's gonna end. But uh yeah, I, you know, hey.
1: I... Yeah, you know, so um, so anyway, Jeff, Jeff did work um dynamite and and And, um, you know, so anything else on Jerry Jarrett? I mean, we can talk probably. We did an hour. We could do. We
0: could do three. I did want to touch on one thing. Jerry Jarrett. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. And and that's one of the things that some people brought up in the chat room. We had some people asking us uh, to talk about the 1994 steroid trial and how Jerry Jarrett was pegged by Vince McMahon. And this has been. Corroborated by many, many people, and he was there. He was in the building. He was he was working for WWF. The idea was, all right, look, if I have to go to jail, Vince McMahon, if I if the steroid trial does not go the way I want it to go, and I have to go to jail, you're running the company, you're in charge, and that he was the guy. And obviously, it did not go that way, and 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 Vince McMahon did not go to to jail for you know uh, after the steroid trial. And yeah, that he was the guy he was pegged as the guy to run that company. And he was there, he was working in the office and, and Vince, like we said, Vince, he was able to get through to Vince and able to kind of sit down with Vince in a way that a lot of other guys didn't very, Vince was very isolationist at the time, especially with wrestling guys. You know what I mean? Like the old school wrestling guys, he brought Bill Watson and that lasted what four weeks, five weeks. Uh, you know yeah yeah Bill you can run the show you know that was in 1995 or whatever he tells Bill Watts hey I need someone to come in here and, and, and book this thing I need someone that's you know has a history in, in wrestling I want you to do do things your way I'm going to stay out of your way you're Bill Watts I'm not going to tell you what to do that lasted like a week Watts, yeah a lot of that was
1: Watts too but yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. I mean, Bill Watts thing. I mean yeah Bill Watts was out of touch at that time too but Bill Watts then had one idea Vince said nah let's do this and Bill said fuck this I'm out <laughs>
1: Like you told me it was mine
0: it's clearly not it's cool we're, we're, we're just not going to see that and that was kind of, I mean, Vince was very isolationist at that time, but Jerry Jarrett, like you said, multiple times through history was able to get through to Vince McMahon and be able to get into agreements with him to share talent, to be a, a developmental territory. Uh, and and yeah, Vince trusted Jerry Jarrett to take on a lot of those talents. In the mid 90s, a lot of those guys, I mean, Flex Cavana going to USWA or whatever, The Rock, you know, everybody knew that that guy was a blue chipper, that that guy was going to be the next big thing, and that guy was going to be something. They trusted USWA to handle him. You know what I mean. And, that, and then and they sent, and there was multiple other guys that they did that with as well. So yeah, that that's something that people wanted us to touch on. There's not much else to it other than yeah, Vince McMahon pegged that guy to hey, if I have to go to jail for however long it's going to be, you're going to run my company for me. And how well yeah. that would have went, who knows? But that was it.
1: Probably had a lot to do with their dealings a few years earlier when right. they cut that deal and everything. And and um, there was also the Pro Wrestling USA thing where um, Jarrett put together opposition where they all the other top promoters banded together to try to combat vince mcmahon in 1986 where it was uh jerry jarrett and jim crockett and bill watts and Vern ganya and probably a few others that i'm forgetting but those were the major players and the first show was in memphis right and it began the unravel from there because you get those kind of egos in the room and and guys who were used to running their own shit and they ran a couple shows in the Meadowlands that were very successful, right in McMahon's backyard, but the promoters couldn't get along. And one by one, they all, they, they pulled out and it probably wouldn't have worked anyway at the end of the day, but it probably had more legs than, 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 than ended up um, playing out, but the, the promoters just couldn't get along. And, you know, Jarrett was instrumental in putting that together and, um, You know, McMahon probably saw all of those things and, and said, you know, this guy's got his shit together. This is the guy I want running my show. Right. If uh, if something happens to me, you well, know, he's and, got a and- long track record of success and he and he went head to head with me in a very aggressive way. And he was fair to me in our dealings. So that's probably where Vince was coming
0: from. He also, he also let Vince you know, live out his wrestling dream, the Mick Memphis stuff. If, if you've never seen that, yeah. uh, if, if you're listening to this and you're going, what's McMemphis, I believe is that YouTube playlist still up there. Let me see if it's Mick Memphis, if it's still up there. That was Vince McMahon doing a heel character. Yeah, it's still all there. Um, yeah it was a heel Vince McMahon in Memphis and it's just it's hard to explain just go watch it on your own but like that's always what he wanted to be he always wanted to be a wrestling character a wrestler or, you know that that was his thing and, and everybody was like "Ah, been, eh, it's not, you're not athletic enough you're not and this was him living out that dream in, in in Memphis and being you know really setting the template for what the Mr. McMahon character would end up being you know in 1998 or whatever was was that McMemphis thing five six years prior to that that that's that character <laughs> you know Mr. McMahon is the McMemphis character so yeah. Yeah, just an awesome awesome stuff uh there so i'm sure that played a part in it too just you know the the loyalty that he had or the relationship that he had with with, with Jerry Jarrett saying you know hey can i do this character and <laughs> Jerry Jarrett like i don't give a shit yeah great let's go for it um so really cool stuff there but uh, yeah you could talk we could talk for 3 hours about Jerry Jarrett and uh just a huge 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 wrestling legacy uh and like you said just the longevity of, of doing it from pretty much his birth you know from but but really you know you're looking at late 70s 77 i want to say is when what would be you know memphis slash continental wrestling started with 77 all the way through to 2005 you know with, with, with tna i mean that's a fucking long time with a few few gaps here and there you know, you know obviously 97 the, the the first memphis run uh ends and and you know tna doesn't start until 2002 or whatever but he's consulting with both companies at the time too and 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 we should note this too he wanted to buy wcw he did everything he could and and, and you read all this stuff and yeah, i know yeah. the between the sheets uh uh does did a great job uh covering all the dealings of going out of the sale of wcw but they kind of have a theory that like the guy they there was always an idea that they were going to sell the wwf and they really were just listening to other people just to listen to other people and the fusion media thing maybe didn't have as much legs as 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 some people thought or whatever but with all that being said from the moment that they put WWF for sale and said this is for sale anybody who wants to go for it go for it jerry Jarrett was there right away saying i'm gonna be a part of this let let me buy this thing let me buy this thing let me buy this thing up until the final few days where obviously then you know jamie kellner and, and turner say like well we'll you can buy it, but we're not going to put it on TV. You know, you can you can have WCW, but we're not going to give you TBS and, and TNT or whatever. And that pretty much effectively, Fusion Media is out, Jarrett, Jarrett's out. All Everybody's out except for the only company that could possibly want WCW's tape library and and, and wrestlers and contracts would be Yeah, So that was the only one that was going to go to. But yeah, he, he was in it from the entire time. And if you go back and read Old Observers and stuff, he's constantly looking to try to get involved in that, get in the sale, try to buy it, realizing that, hey, here's an opportunity. I'm going to I'm going to cut costs, and and I think he was even quoted in the Observer saying like, "Hey, my idea for WW, it's it's going to be strange, like it's going to be weird. I'm going to cut costs like crazy, and we're going to get pretty lean. But you know, I'm going to keep it alive because I think, and more than anything, he 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 understood the importance of having competition in the marketplace, and that that's a big reason why TNA, you know coming to be what was important of him saying, look, somebody has to compete with them. Somebody has to compete with WWF. It's just better for everybody. It's better for wrestlers. It's better for the wrestling industry. So I'll always give him credit for that of, of, of always trying to be there and, and, and compete in the marketplace, a very, a very difficult marketplace to compete in, but, but he always, always wanted to be a part of it.
1: You know, it's funny. I was thinking about when the Pafos came in and ran opposition and they, they, they were running the same towns that, Jerry Jarrett had first run when he got his first taste of being a promoter because they ran that, that whole Louisville, Lexington, Evansville yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So isn't that funny how, you know, he recognized this hole in the market and, and to get his feet wet. And then, you know, a few years later, it's it's Poffo's running those same towns to, to go up against him. So um that was just something I was thinking about uh when, when – when I was thinking about uh, how Jarrett got his start and everything. And then I, you know, I put two and two together, but um, cause that's the old, that, you know, they, you know, they had that whole, you know, with, with Lanny Poffo just passing away, you know, Angelo Poffo came in and, and was, was running, you know, basically head to head with them. And, you know, they, ne- I, I don't know if I call it a war necessarily, cause I don't know how much of a dent they made and they threw the towel in a couple of years later, but, um, and then they all just came to, you know, came together and and made a ton of money together in the aftermath when Savage and Papo came in. But um, and one thing I didn't know was, and I I don't maybe this is probably on Meltzer audio. I never knew that Randy Savage was set all set to go to Watts after the Memphis stuff kind of cycled down because. Watts wanted to bring Randy Savage in when Poffo's promotion folded up, but Watts told him to go to Memphis first and make all that money because of the obvious money to be made there with these two sides that had been warring, you know, and they're finally able to do the matches. And he said, when that, when, you you know, when you're, when you finish up there, you, you know, you come down here, but then, it was too late because that's when WWF got their claws. Into right. they and saw, they up. saw what he was capable of and said, now we want you here. And he went, okay, bye-bye.
0: And yeah, yeah didn't get a chance. Because,
1: yeah. Because he had been working for his father and because they were an outlaw promotion, the after mags wouldn't cover them. The mag, I don't even know if that was in the early days of the after mags, right? Like, s- no, yeah, they would have been, no, the they would have been, yeah, they would have been going on early eighties. Yeah. So like the magazines and, and things like that weren't covering ICW because, you know, they were an outlaw promotion. So a true outlaw promotion, not what Cornette calls an outlaw promotion now, which is like anything, <laughs> right, the outlaw mud
0: show you know. bullshit that he talks about. No, like literally not running territories without paying the NWA or being a part of the cartel was, was yeah, uh, just
1: running other people's cities and shit like that. A true outlaw promotion. So, but the promoters, the people inside wrestling knew that Randy Savage was one of the best wrestlers in the world. They knew, but a lot of fans didn't know because they didn't get any coverage. So, you know, he told you know he, that would have been interesting if if um, if Randy Savage would have made his way to Mid South in like nineteen eighty five. Rock, good God, that would have been incredible. Good Lord, now, now think about this: if Savage goes to Mid South in nineteen eighty five, okay, after the feud with Lawler and all that, and and, and he leaves Memphis, and and Savage and Pavo go to Mid South in eighty five, and they make it to like eighty six, right? And then they make it to the, to where he sells they, and, and, and Savage ends up with Crockett. Like you can butterfly effect this to some interesting degrees, right? Cause Savage would have fit in like a glove anywhere, especially if he would have ended up in with Crockett, like in 87 or whatever, or 88, I guess it would have been right. 88, um, you know, so, and, and who knows they might've stayed hot if you, if they inject Savage into that whole deal. To uh to because he would have his working style would have been perfect, you know. But um, I guess it worked out for him at you know obviously, um, with the path he ended up on. But it's uh it's it's something to think about.
0: So you go Jerry Jarrett uh, passed away at uh, eighty. I would say if you're uh, looking to watch stuff this weekend, there's a lot of wrestling going on this weekend. But if you have some free time, just pop on, just type in Memphis TV into YouTube. I think is probably the way to go. Right? Like, is there is there a year, an era that you tend to like a little bit more? I mean, I just kind of bounce around. I just kind of, you know, f- pick a year. Like I said, any any year in the 80s, you can pretty much pick Memphis and watch the TV from it and get an idea of what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know,
0: it's... it's Or the Andy Memphis. Kaufman it's thing. It's, yeah, if you want to go back and relive the Andy Kaufman thing, that's all going on in Memphis as well. So, yeah. You know, probably, probably another important part of uh, of Jerry Jarrett's legacy and Memphis's legacy in wrestling is the Andy Kaufman thing, which, you know that has li- obviously stood the test of time. Many, many, many it is a fucking movie all about it. You know, So uh, just an incredible, um,
1: how, how about his obsession with Kozlov and bringing him personally to meet Vince McMahon? Do you remember all of that? Yes. When and
0: he- that, and that's what ended up breaking up the, that's why they didn't he didn't talk to his son for decades was <laughs> he found this guy who who I forget what his name was at the time. Oleg. Something Oleg,
1: Oleg, Oleg Prudius. <laughs> Oleg
0: Prudius. Do you remember that yeah. off the top of your head or did you look that yes. up earlier? Oleg, Oleg Prudius. Prudius. OK, I remember Oleg, but I remember Prudius, who obviously became Vladimir Kozlov. And I don't know. He just decided that he was going to be his like agent or his. Ma- I don't know what it was, but yeah, what ended up happening was on wwe.com like one day there's this picture of oleg prudius signing to wwe and there's jerry jarrett current member of the nwa tna management standing next to him and guess when jeff jarrett and everybody else in tna found out about it when we all did (laughs) going to wwe.com and saying uh what and then everybody asking jeff hey are we like what's going on here are we did you sell the Vince or like, what the fuck's And Jer, Jer, Jeff's like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And that basically ended the relationship between the two for, for years. Uh, and I don't even know what he got out of it. What did he get out of the Oleg Prudius Well, thing. I, I don't. It's so weird. He,
1: he obviously got a taste of whatever deal that and then that and that guy became Kozlov. Right, uh, right. Uh, but he was convinced that that guy was going to be the next big thing in pro wrestling. Which, <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, they all can't be winners. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's like he had weird like many years later, like just a few years ago, maybe 2015, 2016. Uh, Jerry Jarrett was convinced somebody else who really didn't make it big. He was convinced. I can't remember who it was, but he would tweet about him because he used to be on Twitter. And... um you know, he would tweet about whoever this was. He's like, he's going to be, I'm guaranteed he's going to be in the next huge TV star. And it was someone else on Kozlov's level who didn't really, you know, amount to much. But, um, you know, I, I mean, that's wrestling. You know, you whiff a lot. And Memphis whiffed a lot. You know, I, I mean, they would throw the, they would throw shit at the wall and see if it stuck. And, and when you had Lawler and you could always rely on Lawler and you could rely on going back to Lawler Dundee or whatever the fuck. And, you know, you can you can take chances and and uh, on, on different concepts and different guys. And Lawler had plenty of feuds that didn't work, you know, but, um, you know, well, obviously overall, um, you know, Memphis and Lawler it was, it was a perfect combination and great success. But, um, yeah, I mean, Jared, Jerry Jarrett hung around even even into the last few years like that whole Jarrett Parsons. They had that uh, Roku app with all of the classic wrestling that WWE doesn't own the whole Jarrett Parsons thing. And there's even a show right now that airs on Nesson called uh, uh, the fuck. Is, I don't know what, I remember what it's called, but I DVR it. It's uh, it's all those Jarrett Parsons tapes. And it's like, there's some ICW that they have. There's some, cause a lot of the Memphis stuff is like public domain. So there's some Memphis stuff and there's some Memphis stuff that I guess Jarrett made a claim to, um, cause different eras of Memphis are owned by different people and, um, and, and some other smallish ter, a lot of Detroit stuff, a lot of the sheiks Detroit stuff is on there. And I'm trying to think of some of the other territories, um, basically any of the territories you, that you don't see on the network, like that's what they have. And it's a half hour show. And, um, I know Jared had a hand in that as well. So even as recently as like today, as like through 21 or 22, I guess before he got really sick, you know, Jarrett still had his hands in some in some things uh, when it came to wrestling, and that show is active right now. I DVR it, you know, it's on Nessin in the middle of the night, um, you know, after Bruins games and shit like that. It comes on, and um, you know, I you know, I, to, to kill a Saturday afternoon sometimes. You know, I'll put them on because it's 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 very it's pretty rare shit that like you know isn't really out there and, and 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 I rarely come across a match on there that I've seen.
0: All right, so there's Jerry Jarrett again. Is uh, it uh, 80 years old? February 14th, uh, the day uh, of his passing. 80 years old for Jerry. Uh, Jarrett, so let's get to uh, some other stuff in the world of wrestling. Let's talk about Elimination Chamber, Joe, coming up this Saturday, a WWE Premium Live event, not on Sunday. It is on Saturday, streaming live uh, on Peacock. There's a bunch of other matches, but let's be honest, the only match that really matters (laughs) in the the grand scheme of things, uh, the match that's been the talk of of, of a lot of the wrestling world uh, over the last couple of weeks and and, and what you do and how do you book this and and what should you do, and we've talked about it a bunch. Uh, Now the time has come. This Saturday, they have to make a decision here. Undisputed, Universal Championship, Roman Reigns defending against Sami Zayn. Joe, what do you do? If you are Paul Levesque, not Vince McMahon, he's not booking anymore. Of course, if you're Paul Levesque, what the hell do you do here with Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's irrelevant because they've made their choice. And um, I think Roman's going to beat them. And we're just going full steam ahead with Roman Cody, but I thought it was very smart to have Cody endorse Sami Zayn and cheer him on and tell him he's rooting for him and he wants him to win and all this other bullshit because it kind of cuts off at the head, any potential of the fans turning on Cody. I think they're more fearful. They would turn on Cody. Oh, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. Then turn on Sammy. No, they're not turning on Sammy right now. Um, And really once they book that segment to me, that tells you all you need to know in terms of, you know, I I don't think they're going to pull a fast one here and, you know, using the two nights of WrestleMania. No, I think this ends here. And then they're going to just what everybody figured, you know, weeks and weeks ago, which is then Sammy and Kevin Owens, you know, beat the Usos for those, uh, for those tag team titles. And when you look at the, You know, the Raw rating this week, which was not a great rating, by the way. I mean, you know, they're down to 1.8 million and the 0.47. And look, we called this. I mean, they weren't going to sustain what they did for Raw 30 and coming off the Rumble. The question was, where does it settle? Do they settle at a new plateau? Do they go back down to what they were previously doing? And they're pretty much at the point right now where... if raw drops any more than it did this week from this two week decline that they've been you know we got to question how hot this stuff really is i mean but but here's the rub when you look at the quarters okay yeah, those guys only, are molten hot <laughs> yes cuz the only quarter over 2 million was sammy and cody and it was also the highest quarter in the 18 to 49 and the rest of the show is, you know, doing 1. 1.5, 1. 1.7, 1. 1.6.
0: It's kind of interesting. Hour. I think we're we're in an era now where, like, so say this, say this was, say a guy got hot in 1998. Okay. You pretty much had to watch that show or at least keep tabs on the show the entire night if you wanted to. You wanted to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what I mean? So, so you said, all right, you know, I'm going to pop on my USA because I want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and you didn't know when you were going to get Stone Cold. And, and you know, maybe you'd get it at the beginning. Oh, I know it's something else. But they tease he's going to come here later. Oh, there's his door. Oh, there's the, the van or here's a, a garage door. He's going to go. And they would do that. Every segment would be like, here's a door. Is Stone Cold going to come out of this door better Keep tuning in to find out if he's going to come out of this door or whatever. Whereas now I think it's very interesting that you cannot watch Raw at all. But if you follow social or you have anything that you're tuned in on, on, on whatever, you can know, okay, Cody's coming up or hey, Zane's coming up or whatever. If those are the only two dudes that you care about, you can pop in for that, that segment way easier than you could ever could. So it does speak to maybe there's this weird thing where you can get a few guys over, but if your show itself isn't over, that people could just jump in on that segment that they want because those numbers are insane. And it's people clearly waiting or clearly getting an idea that this is when they're going to be, this is when these guys are going to be on my television. So now is when I'm going to pop on, but I don't give a shit about any of this other stuff. So I'm not going to watch the entire show to wait and see for Sami Zayn and, and, and Cody Rhodes. I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do all uh, my night. I'm going to watch whatever I'm going to watch. But the second I get word that that Cody's hitting the ring or Zane's hitting the ring or something like that, or they do a countdown clock or whatever. Now I'm going to watch. And I think that's pretty fascinating how, you know, it speaks to those guys being hot, but maybe not raising the level of the entire show, but it also could just speak to the way that, that media is consumed these days where you don't necessarily need to watch the entire show. If those are the only two dudes you care
1: about. Well, the rest of the show stinks. Well, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing happening outside of the the Roman stuff with these two guys. And it isn't even Roman. Like he's never around. It's it's Sammy and Cody that are carrying this shit. And you know, I thought it was brilliant to put them in the same segment. And um, it comes as no surprise to me and probably no surprise to you that Paul Heyman is behind all of this. I mean, he's it's all anytime this shit there's together. anything good
0: that's booked in that company, it's usually Paul Heyman. <laughs> we
1: go back to yeah. the Brock stuff. You go to the early Ronda stuff. Like it's it's you know. Everything with Roman and now, you know, he's got a lot of um, influence here with the Cody thing. He put the segment where he went head to head with Cody together and, you know, and, and, you know, and he was probably smart enough to recognize, hey, look, if we don't have Cody endorse Sammy, we could have a problem on our hands, especially if Sammy's losing that match, which he probably is. Right. The last thing you want is for Sammy Zane to lose that match to Roman and then the fans take it out on Cody, which is a danger that... You could totally see that happen. Oh, for sure. I, I, I still think it's not out of the wrong.
0: I, I think that this endorsement is the right decision, but it's also possible that it could it still work. backfire on them and it could backfire and they could, it still doesn't work. And they realize, oh, okay, you were fucking us over and you really want to push Cody. and You don't want to push Sammy. Like there there does exist that possibility of it still happening.
1: The thing about Cody, though, is he's a star and he's gotten over and he comes across like a star. And right. He comes across like a big deal and they've booked them well and all of those things. And the other great advantage that, that Cody has other advantage that the company has with Cody is that the hardcore WWE fan, they see Cody as their big win over AEW because they stole AEW's mascot. Tony Khan came in and he got all these different people to jump and he kept scoring all these little victories over WWE and, and and all of that but they got Cody. You know, they got one of the guys who orchestrated the whole deal. They got basically the guy that was the company mascot. And because of that, there's sort of this it's advantageous to the WWE hardcore fan that Cody get over and stay over because it's rubbing it in AEW's face that Cody has become such a massive star for them. So there's that added element where I think there's a segment of the WWE fan base. That's going to make sure that Cody stays over. Oh, for sure. It, it
0: helps them in their culture war, as you like to call it. Yes. it, it it's, yes. it's the, the scal- it's the first scalp that they took back from AEW.
1: And it's a huge one.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the biggest ones you could take. is a guy that was literally in a management position or whatever. Listen, that you took they, didn't
1: get, they didn't get powerhouse hops. No disrespect to powerhouse hops. They didn't get, you know, uh, whoever. The, Kip f- they Sabian. the
0: They didn't get Kip Sabian and said, aha, yeah. we got Kip. Yeah, we got Kip and Penelope. You guys are screwed. Yeah, no. Or,
1: or the bunny. You know, <laughs> they, they, they got Cody. They got fucking Cody. And, you know, they, they, they're going to want to make sure that that works. You know, and, and, um, well, so and there's like that you said, it.
0: he's just like, he wins all of his matches and he cuts good promos and he has a bunch of pyro. There's not a lot to dislike. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, they're doing a good, they're doing a good job and it's, it's, it's freaking a lot of people out and a lot of people can't quite understand or wrap their head around it. It's just how they, book baby faces when they know how to book baby faces, which is very rare, which is very rare in that company, but he just, he wins all of his matches and he comes across like a genuine human being and it's over. It's
1: it's wild, but so, yeah, I mean, they, it, here's the other thing that I think no one has really talked about. You look at the Elimination Chamber card in Montreal. Cody's not on it. No, they're, they they're, do, I think they're a little scared. I think they're slightly they scared. They, they don't want Cody to work this show and get booed and then that influences other crowds so they he's just not even on the fucking show and it makes sense for him not to be on the show i mean what would he do right he's getting the shot at wrestlemania he doesn't need to be in the chamber because who cares about the u.s title he's not in a feud with anybody he's feuding with roman and roman has a match already so but but they wisely have kept him off the show as well but i guess we're gonna find out if sammy loses and i think he will when Cody comes out on Raw we see if the fans blame him you know because but the other thing about this and we talk about this all the time i don't know if those kinds of fans, yeah, those fans go to gone. w they're gone. They're, they're gone they don't go to the shows anymore the fans that were rejecting the product
0: the hijack raw fans the cm punk cm punk fans they're 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 all watching AEW or they just stopped watching they're
1: watching AEW they're gone they they finally gave up and they're gone The people that go to these shows now like the show, and they like the stories, and they like the people on the show, and they like the way that the company is booked. So that lessens the chance, too. But like you, I cannot completely write it off. I cannot completely write it off either that they turn on Cody, but we'll see. Um, I I do think that Sammy is over more than Cody, Uh, and Cody is over. There's no denying it. But I think Sammy's hotter than Cody. Is the as how I? That's I yeah, I agree. That's
0: I, I think the long term play and, and the right idea is to just go with Cody and and stick with the story that you want. But if you're trying to ride the hot hand, it would be Sammy. You know what I mean? You you would say, "Fuck it, we're just gonna go with Sammy." But we've seen often that that doesn't always result in the best. You know, we we, we go back a couple of years to the Kofi Mania stuff where everybody was into the chase, and then the second he got the title, they're all like, "Ah, oh, yeah, no, we don't, you know." Not that I mean, into, you know. not I, that I, into I, Kofi. You know what I mean? Like, and then right, you know, right. so it was the same thing with Seth. Seth and Cody both got the stamp of approval. And then once they won the titles, everybody was just like, oh, yeah. Well,
1: Fans right. didn't care that much yeah, they didn't, once yeah. they won.
0: And I'm not yeah. saying that that's going to happen with Sammy, but like, it does feel like Cody is probably the more sustainable guy. Whereas Sammy, it's like, oh, but you know, if you want to just say, fuck it, let's just have this really cool, let's, let's end this great story and yada, 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 and all sort of whatever you want to say, you know, this Sammy would be a great way to do it but I just I yeah, I don't I don't I don't think so either I, I'm with you I, I put it on record a couple weeks ago that I think it's the Uso is going to turn on Sammy you know the one that forget if it was right hand man or I think it was nobody's bitch that that turn I forget who cares the one that sided with Sammy is just going to turn on Sammy and then yeah it's gonna be Sammy and Owens and, and the heat will be moved to the Uso's and Sammy versus the Usos and not necessarily Sammy versus Roman. You got your Sammy versus Roman thing right now, but now Roman's on to bigger and better things, quote unquote, the way that they would say it. And 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 now you can do Sammy and and, and Owens. And I don't know if that I I think that will get rejected by some fans. Well, I think we'll be a little pissed about that, but I who knows. And, and that's that's the interesting thing. I cannot wait to see how fans react to this. Like I I I'm with you that I there's no doubt in my mind that Roman's winning this thing. Like I just cannot fathom. Sami Zayn hitting a Huluva kick or whatever and pinning Roman Reigns and ending this you know 700 day reign or whatever. I I just I can't imagine that in my my head. So I I, I yeah I, I do they fuck around and do the two night WrestleMania thing like we said that you could possibly do that, but I tend to think the easiest story is just have the Uso turn on Zayn and then just move the story over to you know Zayn and Owens versus the Usos.
1: It's Jay. It's Jay for the record. Jay, Right.
0: Who? That's nobody's bitch, right? Or right hand man? That's right hand man. I, that I never, I had it last week and I forgot it again.
1: Damn it. (laughs) Um, It's also a thing where when your booking doesn't really matter because of all the guaranteed money, you can make the wrong decision and it doesn't make a difference. Right. Who cares? There's nothing at risk here. What's the risk of picking the wrong guy, especially if both of them work out, who cares if one would have worked out better. If you were Jerry Jarrett in 1982, this decision would be very important, right? It might determine whether you um, have a money losing year or stay in business or have the best year of your uh, existence. This decision for this company right now means nothing. That like there's, it's such low pressure booking from that standpoint because the money's guaranteed, and even if Sammy is ends up being you know would have ended up being the right choice, whatever the WrestleMania tickets are sold already. Who gives a shit? Like, all right, so Cody get. Let's say worst case scenario, Cody gets booed out of fucking L.A. Okay. All right, then what? That, that the, Peacock the, the, check's still gonna cash. Yeah, the Saudi yeah, check well, is still gonna cash. They'll be all right. You know, it, it's it's pressure free booking, and it does not fucking matter. And that's why it's kind of fruitless sometimes to even discuss this stuff. You know, it, it's only interesting on a base level because there's no risk. It's like playing poker for no money. Like, why not just stay in every hand? <laughs>
0: right, you're not going to fold if there's no real money being played with. Right. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So on the, on a very basic level, it's interesting to see who won the hand, but there, there's nothing at risk. You're not going to play the same. So it, and they're not playing the same as if there was real money at risk. They're they're playing poker for for pretzel sticks. That's what it is. So. I don't fucking know. So let's just go through the rest of this dopey card. That, <laughs> yeah,
0: because the know. rest of the card kind of stinks. Uh, you're only here for Reigns and, and, and Zane. So you got Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. Brock has got a type, man. He he wants to face a certain amount of people. How many times has this man faced Bobby Lashley in the last four or five years? He just he, he's I'm coming in. I'm working either Reigns or I'm working Bobby Lashley. And, and well, and it's Brock, Rollins. so you're not going to tell him no. Yeah. You're not going to say, no, Brock. It's like, all right, cool. Bobby Lashley yeah. it is. So let's do Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar again. All right, cool i always like these matches they beat the hell out of each other it's cool as fuck so yeah
1: it should be good yeah
0: uh this uh, (laughs) edge and beth phoenix we're doing this again we're dusting off the beth phoenix thing again and pretending like we didn't just do that a year ago uh versus finn balor and rhea ripley mommy
1: yeah this is not for me um i don't give a fuck about any of this i i I don't care about it i
0: love how we're supposed to pretend that beth phoenix didn't do this like a year ago right am i am i yeah. it, 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 am i taking crazy pills again i don't know did just... they do this she came up with her her hair all done and up in the you know the the, the she had like a mohawk or whatever and they're like oh my god Bull, best Bull or yeah whatever. like we just did this i think um, right like I don't did, know. At Edge- last year's royal Rumble, they had a mixed tag with miz and Maurice, right am i am i making that up
1: No, Beth got written off at Survivor Series, right? Or whatever it was where she got hit with the chair. I I forget, but I don't know. I just, I don't. (laughs) We just did this. I know, but she's back because she got written off. Oh, is the idea. Okay, cool. Edge is going to breathe real hard and make faces and. You know, and Dominic with mommy. And I, <laughs> this is just so not for me. I will just, will he don't go care. to
0: that place, Joe? Uh, well, uh, uh, is my bookie taking action
1: on will Edge go to that place? I mean, we know he's going to go to that place. I mean, we know that's happened. Yeah. No. So, um, great. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Elimination chamber for
0: the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania of Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, and Carmelo. Oh boy. Rich, quick. Who's the Raw Women's champion?
1: Uh, Bianca Belair. Oh, okay. You knew. Yeah, All right. I got that. All right. Who's the SmackDown Women's Champion?
0: Oh, uh, ooh, I don't know.
1: Do you know? <laughs> give you a couple more seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just making sure you don't know. <laughs> oh, you know they're SmackDown Women's Champion. Who no, it? no, I
0: have no idea. I'm saying you you know, but you just need to, you know. Now, give, Flair. Oh, yeah, of course.
1: So who will be facing Bianca Belair? Uh... <laughs> I don't know or care. All right. Yeah, who could possibly... <laughs> Raquel
0: Rodriguez, there you Wait, go. Me, great, cool. Let me
1: let me ask, who could possibly have a take on this?
0: Yeah, who, who's sitting down going, all right, so you have Asuka. On one hand, you have Asuka.
1: <laughs> Let's work this out. Yeah, <laughs> you have Nikki
0: uh... Cross, no longer... Oh, Raquel presents an interesting matchup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, who, who gives a fuck? Like, who could possibly care?
0: <sighs> well, here's something you could care a... about.
1: Don't any of these options feel like a step down for Bianca Belair for what she's done recently at WrestleMania? Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: Carmella, no. blah, Natalia, blah, Raquel Rodriguez, blah, Nikki Cross. Yeah, they all stink. Asuka, I guess, is the best one. But I don't Liv Morgan. Morgan can win, right? Oh, she, yeah, maybe she can have a star-making performance here. More to <laughs> add, to her, add to her chest of star-making
1: performances. Liv Morgan has so many star-making performances <laughs> that she's basically Luthes at this point. <laughs> She could win. I mean, I, I, I'll say this, though.
0: Michael Colerous. Cole can do that promo that he cut. Remember the one time where he goes, you know, I uh, remember when she won the title and he did, like, the yeah. shoot name thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: it was so good. He's like, oh, ah, well, I'm going to go back to a story seven years ago where I met
1: a Gianna Daddio who walked to the front. Yeah. It's like, all right, reel it in, pal. Yeah. Like, Meanwhile, you don't remember who she beat or what show it was on. That's how right? it, great yeah. it was. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um, Bianca Belair is cold as ice, man. Well,
0: like, you get her in a in a feud with Alexa. It's it's Bray Wyatt adjacent, and yeah, that'll that'll cool anybody off. That's so. the eater
1: of worlds, <laughs> the,
0: eater of pushes, the eater of pushes, the eater
1: of pushes, eater of worlds, and an awful damage control feud that did nothing for anyone. Yep, yeah. like just went on for months and months and months and months, and then Belair had one of the worst matches you'll ever see on a pay per view. Like that isn't a gimmick match with you know last on World Rumble horrible match um she's cold as hell she what? she wrestled Sasha at Wrestlemania and she wrestled what was her other Wrestlemania match or am I oh maybe I'm conflating SummerSlam but you look at these big pay-per-views and it's like she's gonna go from that to like fucking I don't know whoever wins this shit right to it's, Raquel Rodriguez or whatever okay it's kind of like uh you know She's not exactly figured in, as they would say in Jerry Jarrett's day, right? Like, it's such an afterthought. It's gonna be like sixth from the top,
0: right? Which again, like, and we we we're we've been on this train for like five years. That like, I think she's awesome, and like, I I would just find oh something for her to do at all times. Like, I it just doesn't seem that that hard to book her and to figure out stuff for her to do and figure out ways to make her important on your show. But you know, they have different plans, so. She She's the champion, and I guess for some people that's enough, but it's like, yeah, I just would probably make sure that when WrestleMania comes around, I have a good story for her and I have a big match for her and not, you know,
1: Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's junk. And And their fan base, though, to their credit and to their advantage, they have their fan base convinced that if someone has a title, they're super important, they matter, it's working. It's like that belt is a cure-all, which is why a lot of WWE fans – when they're critical of other companies, one of the first things they'll say about, Oh, so-and-so doesn't even have a title. Like so-and-so hasn't even won a title yet. Like that's the current critique on Adam Cole. Like, Oh, Adam Cole has never even won a title in AEW. It's like, well, it's a different environment. Like, they don't just hand out titles. Right, right. And
0: there's not 12.
1: I mean, there is a lot of
0: titles, but yeah, they just don't give you a title just to make you important. It's, it's, yeah.
1: It's like Adam Cole's not going to win the titles that are beneath him. And he hasn't been in a world title program yet to win a world title. You know, it wasn't his time yet. But it's like in this company, you have a title that means they, you know, that you're getting pushed, even if sometimes it's a title that doesn't mean anything. Uh, And then
0: finally, Elimination Chamber for the U.S. Championship, the prestigious WWE United States Championship. Austin Theory putting his title on the line against Seth freaking Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Montez Ford. Yep. And that is WWE Elimination Chamber, Joe. That is a pay per view, sorry, a premium live event taking place um, on Saturday. So.
1: Live instant reaction coming up.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> Battle of the Valley's I'm, there's Battle of the Valley. If we're gonna do an instant reaction, it's Battle of the Valley. But I gotta, yes. I, gotta I gotta get mad about the dunk contest. My annual tradition of yeah. of watching the dunk contest and being Oh, ah, well max McClung, Mac McClung, your boy. I dunk know dunk Mac McClung's there.
1: Contest. No, coming up from the G League, right or whatever. Uh, yeah, well, called.
0: he's like he's tangentially a part of the 76ers. but yeah, he is he, a G League guy.
1: They Will have so few you guys
0: me? that can that that want to do the contest that they're like, all right, look, anybody, just show up.
1: Will he be wearing his Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs uniform? I hope so. Or the Phillies I hope so. Yeah maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe a throwback. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't even know if that's the name of his G League team. Uh, well, I technically, I, I
0: don't know what his, because he's technically a 76er right now, even though he hasn't actually played for them. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what his, uh, his G League affiliate is right now. I believe. If he's with the Sixers, I think he's a Delaware Blue Coat right now. Okay, the Delaware Blue Colts, but uh, uh, Blue Coats, but I could be wrong. So
1: he should wear that uniform.
0: <laughs> right? with that. How sad would that be? Like Craig Hodges wearing the NBA uniform.
1: All right, do you remember see. that? Yeah. So,
0: for people that do not know, uh, Craig Hodges won the three-point contest one year. Uh, and then they, at the time they did a thing where like if you were in last year's contest they wanted you to come the, the year later to you know defend your title or whatever. But by that time he had he was off the, he was no longer on the Bulls he was no longer signed by a team. But they wanted him to come to defend his three point contest title. So he showed up in an NBA jersey. It <laughs> just said NBA Hodges. So yeah. Yes. Incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah. Hopefully Mac McClung is wearing his Delaware. Blue coats. I have confirmed he is a Delaware blue coat. So, there. you know,
1: he could win because people like to see a white guy who's short do dunks. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah.
0: I mean, he's, he's been a YouTube sensation for 15 years now off of. Yeah. And like his dunks
1: are like, they're good, but they're not great. But
0: it's like, look at this white guy with long ish hair and he's dunking. It's just yeah. like. And he's six foot tall. Right. Every yeah. video is like, short white guy, dunks! <laughs> with like 15 exclamation points. And it's
1: like, uh, in and I watch generation, him, I'm like, all right, let's
0: see what's up. And he's like, oh, OK,
1: yeah, cool. In another generation, like Spud Webb could do any dunk. And it just looked incredible because he was five foot six Yeah, he, Yeah,
0: he won, you know, he won a you know? dunk contest just by elevating
1: higher and looking insane. Yeah, right. Now, Muggsy Bogues could not dunk, right? He was like uh, I don't think three. so.
0: No, I I, I don't yeah. know if he ever dunked. Yeah.
1: That'd be the greatest feat in athletics if Muggsy Bogues were able to get up and dunk at five foot three. Wasn't he like a legit five three? Yeah, he was legit. Yeah, he was, he was legit five three. Spud was, wasn't that much higher. Uh, was much, he
0: uh, was like
1: five six or something. Yeah,
0: five 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 six, somewhere in that range,
1: which is still incredible that he was able to dunk at five 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 six. Um, yeah, McClung is like one or 6'2 or something, but he's the, the white guy factor, too. Remember, uh, which Barry brother was Brent, the one that... I was did- about
0: to say Brent Barry. Yeah, he did like the worst free throw line talk.
1: It's just no
0: elevation whatsoever. And yeah, he won. He was, you know, because people were like, look at that guy. He's dunking. So yeah, it, it always helps. So. He did
1: it in his warm-up coats, too. yeah. He, was yes, like- yeah. <laughs> he the, didn't take the warm up. off. The
0: much maligned, I think, 96 dunk contest, which uh the second to last one ever when they decided this is going away and then they brought it back they brought it back and well uh, maybe they'll do a thing if mac mcclung wins this time representing the delaware blue coats it might be the end of the dunk contest for a couple more years again until yeah say, but now right.
1: you have to now you have to like jump over mascots and do all these yeah you know, these a lot of gimmicks a lot of, a lot of
0: gimmicks and tomfoolery these days so
1: you know so um but i gotta watch uh, that
0: i can't be watching elimination chamber on saturday come on watch the okay. skills competition i gotta watch a guy throw a ball through a tire you know to, to do a layup, all right. Uh, let's move on here. That is Elimination Chamber. Uh, that is uh, we'll 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 review that next week on the flagship. How about that? No answer reaction, but we'll review it next week uh, on the flagship. But Looking forward to cannot it. Cannot wait. <laughs> cannot wait. Uh, all right. Let's uh, we're talking about WWE, so let's touch on MLW. Yes, why, why, why is MLW and WWE? Well, yes, because if you remember, if you're a listener to the show, uh, last year, MLW filed an antitrust lawsuit against WWE, claiming that WWE was monopolizing the wrestling industry and interfering in MLW business agreements and negotiations. I believe wasn't it Tubi? I forget what was the what was the streaming network that MLW yeah, was supposedly had an agreement with, and WWE stepped in. I believe it was Tubi. Uh, well, Judge Edward J. Davila of the U.S. District Court, California Northern District, uh, did not feel there was enough. ...for this case just yet and dismissed it. Uh, MLW founder Court Bauer said of the decision, quote, Our legal team is already at work on amending the complaint. We have every intention to continue pursuing our case against WWE. Now, what Judge Edward J. Davila of the U.S. District Court, California and district, did do, though, is he did say that MLW now has 21 days to file an amended complaint if they wish to continue. So, not fully dismissed, but more come back to me in 21 days with a better case and then maybe I'll look at it, but um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like doesn't seem like this is going to have a ton of legs, but we'll, we'll see after 21 days and, and the the MLW legal team and their amended complaint. If it has any legs, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Still an interesting, uh, little note there about uh, the MLW thing, but this also gets us into uh, a little bit of raises. You have nothing else about the MLW, the MLW lawsuit, right?
1: No, I don't know what else I could add. I There's mean, nothing else. Um,
0: <laughs> Judge, Edward J. Devila, he, he gave us everything we need to know right there. He'd let us know. So uh, this this kind of does get into a topic that we did want to talk about, though. We talked about last week, MLW Underground uh, and the ratings. Uh, their debut episode was last week. And, and of course, it was up against the State of the Union address. It was up against LeBron James' record-setting night. So we weren't sure if we got a proper look at what the ratings were going to be on reels. This week, though, well, we may have had it. So with nothing major taking place, Per WrestleNomics, MOW was watched by 73,000 viewers uh, with 21,000 aged 18 to 49. Uh, There was also a West Coast broadcast at 1 a.m. Eastern, and that was watched by 6,000 viewers or 3,000 viewers aged 18 to 49. So you combine those two together and you have 79,000 viewers combined down 24% week over week. Now... Real quickly before we get into the MLW part of that, what we did see though, is that MLW was probably hurt or sorry, that NXT was definitely hurt by the State of the Union, LeBron's record, Saturday Night, whatever it may be, because they bounced back in a big way. They bounced back fourteen percent in total viewership and forty two percent in eighteen to forty nine demo. So NXT bounced back a lot week over week, MLW down twenty four percent week over week. Uh, what do you what do you make of those numbers for major league wrestling?
1: Yeah, so this is basically exactly what we said last week. We suspected that maybe that NXT number was hurt by the other stuff that was going on. And we knew that MLW was going to drop from what I already thought was not a good number. Um, I did think that when you look at um, WrestleNomics, what they did, what was interesting, because what Brandon did was last week, he combined the first run airing with the replay at midnight and when you combine that, I'm looking for the number now. They did 104,000 total viewers, whereas this week, when you combine the two showings, it still only comes out to 79,000 viewers. So they were down 24 percent, even when you combine the two airings. So, and that second airing was um, is is basically doing next to nothing at this point because it did 73,000 viewers. So they only did 6,000 viewers on the second airing. But they're well under 100,000 viewers, even when you combine the airings. So – and we knew, you know, usually a show will drop from its debut. So I I still look – I've seen some people be a little little more optimistic or a little softer on the critique of that number last week. But I I hold firm that that is not a good number considering the station they're on, particularly since we knew it was going to drop. So – This is where that show lives now. They're going to do about 70,000 viewers. They'll probably go even lower than this some weeks. You know, they'll dip into the 60s, maybe even the 50s when it's a particularly tough competition or something. Um, So uh, no, that, you know, nobody's watching the show. Now, look, if Reels is happy with it, that's really all that matters. I mean, it's really what this always comes down to is, is the network happy with it? But the other thing we don't know is I don't know what their deal with Reels is. Are they getting money? As a time Uh, buy, who knows? Yeah. Is it an ad split? You know, I would need to know that also to determine, you know, how successful or unsuccessful this really is. If they're getting paid any amount of money, this is a win. Okay. Um, If it's a time buy, I don't know. I'd almost rather be on BN if I'm going to do 70,000 viewers. If they're splitting ads, uh, okay, but, you know. Oh, I'd rather be on YouTube. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I can make, exactly. I could yeah. make some
0: money on YouTube with some ads and and, and, and other stuff like that. Yeah, if, if if I'm buying time on reels and I got seventy thousand people watching, then yeah, I, I made a very very bad deal.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I watched I watched it today on DVR, and you know, I was paying attention to the to the ads, and they're not super low level. Um, they're not ROH on Sinclair level ads. You know, they've got some real commercials uh running on this thing so i don't know um now the show itself you know we had the enzo mancer street fight which wasn't very good as the main event and um i thought it was hilarious this week they did an angle where lance uh noi or however you pronounce that family's name he was like late getting to the building and um he's one half of the new Samoan swat team rich with uh Juicy Finale, who is not Samoan, but I guess that's a, neither <laughs> close enough, it. I guess. Um, and they're managed by, oh, Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> they're managed by Jacob Fatu, and Lance was late getting to the building, and they did this this angle where Juicy's like, "Nah, he'll be here. You know, he, he's my boy. I know he'll be here." And Jacob Fatu, of all people, is like, ah, oh, Lance is pulling this again, not coming to the show. Not <laughs> they, that the has talent. to be,
0: that's gotta be weak, weak, nudge, nudge, right? Has to be, has to be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's that, no way that's that that, good television. I like that, yeah.
1: That is too on the nose, yeah. Jacob
0: Fatu being like, that ah, dude doesn't know how to make towns, <laughs> come yeah. on,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's just too on the nose, so it had to be intentional. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then
0: sure. I, I didn't watch this week, but wasn't there this thing where they spent the whole show telling you that like MLW Fusion was going to be on after, and then it just wasn't?
1: Yes, it got canceled. No, oh. not after, like the next day. But yeah, they they it got
0: delayed or or
1: something. it didn't air at all last week on Pro Wrestling TV. And this week they aired instead of a new one, they aired Battle Riot again. The same <laughs> Battle, Riot. Times Battle, <laughs> Riot. <laughs> Battle Riot. they going to air Battle. keep airing Battle
0: Riot. We've seen it. It's uh, yeah, so nobody needs to see Battle Riot 4 ever again. We're good,
1: we got it. I know, I've seen it many times. Uh, <laughs> we got it, we hear you, m- Micro Man and Enzo. We get it, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. They haven't aired a new fusion in two weeks, so um, and it's very mysterious as to why. Now, this week they did air something, but they aired a Battle Riot 4 again. I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um you know Uh, never stops it never stops it doesn't stop and i'm sure like i mean fusion does
0: stop fusion did stop for two weeks but otherwise in in totality the world never stops and the lawsuit stops but (laughs) right the lawsuit uh yeah briefly not a stop a pause a pause on the lawsuit 21 day pause on the lawsuit
1: yeah but um we'll probably talk about this for another week or two and then you know, it'll fade from our room, <laughs> right? We we'll won't never but, talk um, about it again. Yeah, it's just interesting right now because it just started and it's new and all that. But, um, there you go. And I will watch it. Look, I'm still watching it. I, you know, this week it was on.
0: I got to remember to set my DVR for it. I, I it, remind me to do that after the show when we, when we close the show. Remind me, yes. hey, set your DVR for reals. Uh, so well, I, I,
1: I, I, I forgot to set my DVR and it, it was on Valentine's Day that this aired. and... I was just about to get going with some trademark Lanza action on Valentine's Day night with uh, TLB and I I paused. <laughs> like, wait a minute. The real one is facing old Mancer. On, yeah. Unreal on I, like, I gotta go one second. <laughs> we even had like, uh, we had like some sexy music on and everything, you know, and I was like, where's the remote? She's like, what? What? I'm like, I forgot to DVR something. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, Old Mancer. Old Mancer's gonna get his revenge on, on
0: uh real one, right? Isn't he just real one with the number one at this point?
1: Yes, yeah, so I had to real one, yes. Yeah, so I had to <laughs> she, she, she she likes to get down the rap music, so I had to change the like digital music station that was on So I had to go on the guide and I had to cycle through the reels and I had the. Re- she I should just, have. I, she
0: should have fell asleep in that time and just said, "Screw you." You know, I'm out. i, I'm done. I made
1: it just in time for the replay, Rich. I was able to record the replay, and uh, you know, and then I proceeded with our Valentine's night activities. Um, you know, and, but you know, I had to. You know, priorities. Was, that was a, it was priorities. a close one. I was,
0: you're a professional. You're a professional there. You know, you're not a professional sex haver. You're a professional wrestling watcher. So
1: I'm I'll, I'll, listen. I'm a professional sex haver too. Much. <laughs> I, I could tell you what went down in this bedroom that night if you really want me to. That was something. Uh, no, I'd prefer not. Yeah. But um, just think about think about me thinking about real one and <laughs> and Lance Warner in the middle of and their
0: no DQ. What was the stip? It was the, I forgot what the stipulation of that match. It was, was. a
1: street fight. Sir. <laughs> street fight. It was a street fight. You were just in a cold sweat, being like, "One sec, one sec, one sec." Real yeah, one. That's what happened. Like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped the activity that was happening, which will go undisclosed. And I was like, I need the remote right now. Right. <laughs> Hand me the remote. Yeah. I was like, where's the remote? I forgot to DVR something. And she's like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here. It's right here. And then I, I took care of it and then got back into the, the, the current act that was going <laughs> on. So that, that was, that was what happened on Tuesday night in, uh, in the lands bedroom. So it just so everyone knows, I got it recorded. And I did get it watched. So that's what I do for this show.
0: Well, we appreciate it. But uh, there you go. That is MLW. Uh, And uh, yeah, the world never stops. And in a few weeks, it might stop for us. And we'll stop talking about it. But uh, for them, uh, that world will never stop. Well, let's get into the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling because there's a lot going on there. Uh, They had their new beginning in Osaka show on February 11th. Uh, I watched the last half of the show. I didn't watch a lot of the undercard just because... A little pressed for time. Wanted to make sure I squeezed in the NWA show, which I'm regretting <laughs> that decision. I'm sure uh, when I finished watching the entire NWA show. But uh, anything on the undercard of New Beginning in Osaka before we get to the uh, the, the the big matches here, starting with the uh, uh, the never open weight, and then the Loser Leaves Japan, and that and that sort of stuff. But anything on the undercard that uh, warrants a, a a a watch or a check out before uh, the 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 weekends.
1: Okay. So very quickly. I asked for a Coke Z via text message at eight thirty nine. Uh oh. Okay. Have not received. The it Coke Z. is nine fifty
0: seven on my clock, sir.
1: I asked for a Coke Z last week at. Trying to find it. What what day? What day of the week was? What What was the date of last? Uh, that week? would have ninth. been yeah. Right. All right. Because uh, let's see. On the ninth. I'm the point here is I'm I'm developing a pat. I asked for a Coke Z at 8:42 p.m. during last week's show. I did not receive a Coke Z at 8:42. Sounds like you got a fridge rece-
0: in this uh, in this room here.
1: I did not receive a Coke Z tonight, and it is now 9:58 in the p.m. So, like almost an hour and a half later, she falls asleep like like she's a hundred years old out there. <laughs> like like I am I finish the show and I'll go out there and I'm like you know. And and she'll be on the couch with, of course, Golden Girls on. And she's asleep, like, on the couch. She falls asleep at, like, she must fall asleep at, like, 8.15 on the nights when I do the show. It's ridiculous. I'm so parched. It's 8.39. I've got no Coke Z. Second week in a row, Rich. Or she's just blowing me off. What do you think it is? Uh I think she's probably just falling asleep.
0: But it probably blowing you off too. But a little bit of A, a little bit of B, but probably the falling asleep. It's similar uh, in this household, if I requested something that it would it would fall on very deaf ears because yeah, she's probably snoring in the other room right now. So
1: She has brought me beverages before though. Yeah, well she's getting old, you know? She's getting old. <laughs> well, yeah, not really.
0: I mean, I, she I mean, of course she is, I and mean, we're all getting older, but Um, Well, none of us
1: are getting younger.
0: No, 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 None of us are getting younger. I don't know. Maybe she's a little little sleepy. Maybe.
1: uh... She does get up at like 530. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? You you
0: wake your ass up at 11. You can go get your own Coke Z. 11? What, do I have a doctor's
1: appointment (laughs) or something?
0: (laughs) Do I have to drop the kids off at school? What am I doing? Jeez. Um.
1: Oh, I'm fucking thirsty,
0: Rich. Um, Get a little mini fridge. Get one of those little mini fridges and put it. A in
1: Mini fridges in the room with the four TVs. I I no. don't have the mini fridge. Well, oh, now you gotta
0: buy another mini fridge, I guess. Yeah,
1: I guess. If this is gonna keep happening, um, or we're
0: just gonna have to bring a
1: couple cans, and one of them is gonna have to be a little little warm. So, you know, normally that's the thing. I left my can down. Said, so "Look, no one cares about any of this." <laughs> um, New beginning in Osaka. Yes. 4,000 fans, but this was still limited seating. The yeah, last we, we one. can't,
0: we cannot start looking at Japanese attendances again, right? Soon.
1: We we can, but not this one. This one, they lifted the limited seating after the tickets went on sale, and out of respect for the people who bought the tickets before it was lifted, they kept it for the show. Does that make sense? Got it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So they sold every ticket they could sell, which was 4,055 tickets. which was a pretty good fucking house regardless, but Obviously, Osaka Bodymaker, um, I refuse to call it the Edeon. In the Bodymaker 1, you can pack more people in there than 4,000. You can get you know, seven, 8,000 in there. But um, they probably would have sold those seats. They sold all these pretty quickly. Um, would you ask me the undercard? Yeah, anything on the undercard because I, I I I got in at the uh,
0: Never Open Weight match and, and watched the rest of that. But I didn't watch the undercard. So
1: Oh, so you saw the semi in the main?
0: Uh no, I saw the last four matches. I saw the never open way. Sorry, never open way, six man. And then the loser leaves Japan and then yeah, so I saw the last four matches on the show, I should say.
1: Okay. So Hanare and Okan over uh the German and Turo Yano, you know. And then there was uh LIJ over Taguchi, Shota Minu Tiger Mask and Hanma. But after that it was all business because there were some singles matches. Taiji Ishimori versus Master Wato. What now listen, this was I guess it's easier for me to tell you that I thought that everything on the show from Ishimori Wato on was pretty good, but nothing was great except for the main event, which was obviously incredible. Um, but I guess we're going to get your takes on the two, two matches that people thought were really great. Maybe you agree that I didn't, but as far as Ishimori Wato and Tanahashi Kenta I thought that they were both good solid three and a quarter star matches um I was expecting more out of Tanahashi Kenta I thought that Kenta might have had a chance to win but obviously by the end of the night we knew why Tanahashi won so he ends up being the challenger for battle in the valley um and then you can jump in for the rest I guess so the six-man title match we do have new champions they paid off Ren Narita and his uneasy alliance with Despi and Suzuki. They work together well here, and they defeat House of Torture for the six man titles. And I think they have a chance to be a pretty decent six man title team. So, what would you think of this? Yeah, I
0: thought it was a good, uh, a, a decent enough match. Um, I, I'm, I, I like the team. I, I like the the like you said the uneasy alliance of Narita and, and those guys. So. I uh, enjoy that. It's a never 1.6, man. So you can't get super invested in the title switches or whatever, because it's ultimately a pretty meaningless title. But, uh, no, I thought this was okay. And I, I liked that they kept it a little short. I, I, you know, they did not keep the rest of the show short. I'll tell you that the rest of the matches, uh, all had a uh, significant time, but I liked that this was just 13 minutes. Get in, get out. Uh, and yeah, I, I like the new champs and I like the story uh, 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 behind those guys, so uh, I'm into it. And, and
1: yeah, yeah I think there's a team with some juice. Yeah, and and, a, and a, there's a team with some juice and a story. At it least, feels unique. The it feels unique a little bit. It felt like
0: House of Torture, and I know they didn't, but it feels like they've had those titles for like three years at this point. You know, it just feels like God damn it! How long have those guys had? And those it was titles? a
1: totally inco- and it was an inconsequential. Right, title, right, right, right. I mean, all right. So Hikuleo J White, loser leaves Japan, and Hikuleo. Um, picks up the win here. I thought it was good, but a lot of people seem to think it was great. What did you think of this?
0: Oh, I, hmm, I did not think it was, I don't know if I even thought it was good. I thought it was fine. I,
1: Oh, Oh, we got it. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, I don't know. Like,
0: Island, Crate Island. I guess it's a great Island. I guess, cause yeah, I, I watched this a couple of days afterwards. So yeah, I was kind of taken aback when I saw some people thought it was like great. And I was like, ah, hold on a minute. I don't, I, it's just long. Like it was very long. There was time it it really dragged on for me at times. I did not think it needed to go 25 minutes, and yeah, the ending was cool, and I like you know the the symbolism of Jay giving him the you know the 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 two sweets, and then Leo giving him the two sweet and then choke slamming or whatever. Yeah, that, that was fine, but it was like I don't know, it, it felt a very long in the tooth, a little slow at times, a little plotting at times, and I'm just not that invested in this story. I'm sure if you're invested in oh my god, this is the end of either Hikuleo or Jay White, I honestly don't care. They could have both pinned each other and gotten out of here, and I really wouldn't give a shit. Like I, I'm I'm over both those guys. I I. Piccolo, I, I, I just I'm not seeing it with him just yet, and I, I figured he'd be along the the path a little bit more than he is right now. I just don't know if he's got it all together just yet. And and Jay White, I mean, I I honestly haven't given a shit about anything Jay White's done in about a year, so. It's hard for me to really – this is a match that if you care about the story and you care about the people involved, yeah, I'm sure you're going to like it a little bit more. I just didn't care about the guys involved. So, you know, it's 25 minutes, and I'm just like, I, whatever. Who, whoever wins is going to win. Whoever loses is going to lose. I honestly don't really give a shit. So, yeah, that, that probably affected a little bit. But I don't know. I thought the work was a little plodding, a little too slow, and just didn't really – I don't know. It didn't connect with me at all. So I think it was fine. I don't think it was terrible. But, uh, yeah, I I, I wouldn't – I don't even know if I'd call it good, and I would certainly not call it great.
1: 7.59 by the inmates. Um I had it like three and a half. But um I don't know, maybe it was just our slack because everyone in the slack seemed to think it was great. So
0: um uh, Joel in the uh co-host of the Super J Cast podcast, obviously on the voice of wrestling podcast on network says that this is the bloodline for New Japan freaks. <laughs> And that's, that's a uh, great comp. Like if you're in like where we have crazy pills, anytime the bloodline thing is going on, that's probably what this is. Yeah, it's probably very uh, a great comp for it.
1: So uh, what'd you like better? The loser lead Japan, which we're not done talking about. When we're right, talking we'll about battle. That. We'll, we'll, novality, yeah,
0: we'll, we'll get that in a sec.
1: Um, what do you think was better? That or Tamatanga Phantasmo? Because I thought they were about the same. I See, have them both at like three and a half. I thought Tomatonga and Phantasma was way better, way
0: better than Hikoleo and Jay White, and, and that's that's possibly again. I care more about these two guys. I thought the work from Tomatonga and El Fantasmo was tremendous. And I thought the end of the match, the last you know couple of minutes of the match were really, really good. A lot of good back and forths, The hope spots from Fantasmo, the crowd really wanting Fantasmo to win and, and stuff. I thought that match blew it away. I was surprised when I saw so many people thought that they were on comparable levels because I I, I thought Tomatonga and El Fantasmo blew it away. Like I'm probably three and a quarter on the Loser League of Japan And I I think I'm four flat or four and a quarter. Maybe a four. Hey, Joe, you're doing the plus minus. I'm four plus on Tamatonga and and El Fantasmo. I thought it was good. I I really, really liked it. I mean, was it a little too long yet? Did it need to go 27 minutes? Probably not, but no. Too long for me. Too long for me. I agree. You cut out nine to 10 minutes of that match, and I think it's a way, way better match. But What does the story lose if you cut? eight minutes off. I agree. I, I'm with you. Yeah, you still would have been able to tell the beginning, which which was good and the end, which I thought was really, really good. And there was a there was a lot of period where I was like, all right, <laughs> we get it. We got it. Let's go. But uh, I thought the end saved it and I thought the end was really, really good and and, and it was one of the better performances I've seen of Tama Tonga, and and definitely one of the better individual performances uh, I've seen from Phantasmo. So I, I, I really liked it. I was kind of surprised again, like I said, uh, when I saw people that 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 liked both of them equally because yeah, I thought this match blew the Leisure Leaves Japan match out of the water.
1: So people know Fantasmo is going to be a guy, right? Like they know that I hope like he's got the same trajectory as many others we've seen come before him that they have slowly elevated from. I mean, he got pushed big as a junior. He won all those tournaments. He very rarely ate losses as a junior. He was always involved at the top of the junior card. Uh, He was always positioned well in the super junior tournament. He won the super J cup in, in Portland or Seattle, whatever Pacific Northwest city that was in. So he was always taken care of as a junior and protected. He had the feud with Shingo that elevated him to heavyweight. And it's very obvious from the start that the bookers, the people with the pencils here have always thought highly of him. And now he gets elevated to heavyweight. He's going to look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be IWGP world heavyweight champion. Okay. I'm also not going to sit here and tell you he won't like, like, I don't know if I'd bet on it, but he's going to get every opportunity and he's going to be a player as a heavyweight. They oh, for like sure. him A lot.
0: Oh, it, it took heaven and earth for, for Tomatonga to beat this guy. Tomatonga had to do everything he could possibly do over and over and over and over again uh, 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 to beat him. And this, this, it was one of those matches where a guy won in defeat. We always talk about that. A guy wins in defeat, where it's like El Fantasmo lost this match, but when it was over, you knew that okay, this guy's getting pushed because it took 27 minutes for Tomatonga to put him away, and it took every single thing that Tomatonga could possibly throw at the guy to to and, and and yeah, when it was done, you were thinking, okay, that dude's getting elevated, and then you c- couple that with the Jay White thing, you know, him leaving Japan, a a a void in the Bullet Club, like. You could definitely see a scenario where maybe Phantasmo is the guy that moves up and becomes, if they're going to keep the Bullet Club thing going, Phantasmo moves up in that ladder and maybe becomes the leader, the de facto leader of Bullet Club or whatever. That, that's all possible, but they like him no matter what. Like You can like him or hate him or whatever you think about him. I'll tell you, as Gato and New Japan for Wrestling, the, the, the pen, like you said, the guys with the pencil, they think he's, he's, he's a guy. So he's going to be a guy. He's going to be in the guy in this company. So uh, uh, take notice now. Start, start being aware of it because it's coming. Hey,
1: look, he's good. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and, great. And when they brought him in, they wanted him to be the biggest shit bag possible, a big shit bag heel. And he excelled in that role. But I think it gave some people a negative impression on what he can do. And now that he's kind of dropped a lot of those facets of his act, people see that he's good. And I don't, and what a lot of people may not know is he he can also be a very effective baby face and, when they discovered him he was working babyface so they know that too um but he can work at a new japan level he's got charisma for days they like him he could be the bullet like you said i think he could easily be the bullet club you know quote unquote leader someday no doubt about it um and and you know i i don't i don't want to make too many bold predictions but he's definitely someone they like who's who's gonna who i would look to maybe not right away but over the court everything's slow in new japan we all know that no one's gotten a rocket pack since okada right maybe aj styles you want to argue for him you know they were even slow with kenny omega Kenny Omega for a year was a junior and doing fucking... Yeah, he, was sticking, he was sticking spots.
0: poles up to Gucci's ass, and we had to tell people, no, no, we trust, trust us. We're going to yeah. be right about this. Who's yes, he's coming. he's fucking around right now, but he is going to be the biggest star in this company. He's going to main event a Wrestle Kingdom. Just just, yeah. just, wait. We promise it's going to happen, and it did. And, but, I, uh, and, I can't,
1: and I can't tell you I'm that confident in Phantasmo's trajectory, but he, he's got, you know, they, they, like, they clearly like the guy. And um, you could see... If you follow the booking patterns of this company, it's so obvious what's happening here. Um, so then Okada and Shingo, and I, I don't know, rocks, I mean, <laughs> dude. Jesus Christ, this
0: <laughs> match was fucking incredible. This is going to be in my top ten for match of the year when, when the year's over. I, I just, it is. It's just going to be there. I top I,
1: ten. Yeah, it, it might get votes for
0: number one. It should get votes. I mean, this was fucking awesome. Like it, this, this, this was one of Okada's best performances ever. Ever, yeah. we we always go back to the Tenru match because that was Okada being finally maturing into a wrestler that said, you know what, I'm in the ring here with Janita Tenru, but I'm going to control this match. I'm going to tell Tenru what I want him to do to me, and this is going to be my match now. And I'm going to let you know. Th- we, we we always talk about that where we're ten- he knew that he he had made it. Cl- it was obvious to him, and it was obvious to everybody that Tenru just didn't have it to have like that kind of match with Okada. So yeah. Okada then, you know, took control of the match and said, you know what, dude? Just fuck me up. Just punch me, and that's gonna be our match now. You know, we're gonna change the whole thing, whatever plan we had, throw out beat the window, me beat me up, fuck me up. The, the, we're, we're, we're gonna change the things. But but I'm gonna make sure that you have a great match on your way out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna control it from here on out. I got it. Just trust me. And he's doing that to Janichiru Rutenru, you know what I mean? Like, and did it. And and so we always look at that as like an all time, all time, all time great Okada performance. This one may have been up on that level. I, I thought he was fucking spectacular in this match. And this new Okada with this edge, this kind of badass, fucking grumpy old guy Okada that we have now that, that that's leading into the Kiyomiya match that we're going to talk about in a bit, I'm all in. I love it, and he's great at it. The smiling baby face, I do it for the people Okada, Eh, you know, that that wasn't what he was when he came up and he was able to kind of fill that role for a little bit. But man, I am loving this Okada. And I just thought he was awesome. Shingo's just I mean, what, what do you say? What what platitudes do I want me to give you about Shingo? He's been fucking great for 15 years now, and he's gonna probably be great for another 10 years or so uh, at this rate. But I, I thought Okada's performance one of the best Okada performances I've ever seen. And this was this match more than anything that I've seen from New Japan in the last couple of years was like, oh, okay. This company, this company nobody can do big time matches like New Japan Pro Wrestling and th- nobody can do matches like this. Eight a- like you always say AEW's great and when AEW does great stuff it's great but they don't they hit a little different. There's nothing like an awesome New Japan main event. There's nothing like it, and this was one of those that was just like, "Holy shit!" When it's done, it's like, "This is the best wrestling in the world." You know what I mean? Like these guys yeah. are so much better than everybody else doing it in the world. It, it goes back to our, our our discussion last week about, okay, you know, when when you watch a guy and you say, "That guy's one of the that guy's the greatest wrestler I've ever seen." I said Okada was my guy and then this match happened and I was like, yeah, look at this. When he was done, I was like, this guy's the greatest. Like look at what this guy can do in this ring. I mean, he is just spectacular. But no, I, I absolutely love this match and, and yeah, it's going to be in my top 10 and man, it 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 might get it might get my vote for match of the year. It's going to be in the in, in the running the entire year. I just thought this was spectacular. Just just great, great. I loved every minute of
1: it. It was so great and my hot take was going to be that how often does Shingo Takagi have a great match or any match at all and just gets completely overshadowed by the other guy? I mean, and there was nothing wrong with, with Shingo's performance. Shingo oh, was, was great. great. You know, but Okada is just... Man, I, I don't know if he's ever wrestled better than he has during this little run that he's been on here. He's been so good. And it is that little extra piece of violence that he's bringing to the table. I mean, he just has a different kind of... um mindset that he's bringing into everything he does and it started it in the back half of that jay white match at wrestle kingdom where i thought he was phenomenal and the ferocity that he brought brought to the kiyomiya tag where he attacked him um and now this match and he's just he was really i mean when you talk about the mechanics of a match and just the nuts and bolts and the real nerdy shit these guys were flawless here i mean they're both of their performances were just incredible and, um, you know, it, and for them to be able to create that level of drama in a match where people were 100 percent certain that Okada was going to win. I bit, I bit on a near fall. And I knew the results of the match. Yeah.
0: And there was a I forget what it did, but I went, oh, <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. I know that Okada wins this. Why did I just do that? I had a visceral reaction. I think it was a major pan or something like that. And he got the one t- and like Okada, who's just a master of the two point nine, 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 nine kickout or whatever. He did it at like the last possible millisecond, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> like I know that to wins this." I'm well aware of who wins this match, but it it got me still. And I, man, just a testament to these guys. Yeah,
1: the match was incredible, and and it would be my match of the year right now if not for, um, yeah, well, well, Omega maybe, uh, and
0: Osprey happened this year as well, which is, look, is
1: for something to overtake that.
0: It <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah.
1: Well, it's going to have to be one of the greatest matches of all time because that match was right. So we're going to have to have another match this year. That is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life because that Osprey Omega match is one of the 10 best matches I've ever seen in my life. Maybe one of the five best matches, maybe one of the three best match. It could be the best match I've ever seen in my life. I have to really think about it, you know, but so I don't know if we're going to get another match on that level this year, unless Okada and Osprey wrestle this year at forbidden door or something like that. But, um, this one is easily my number two and would, would be in most years sitting in the number one spot begging for something to overtake it. And New Japan's back, baby. I mean, I thought it was back to Wrestle Kingdom. It took you a little more convincing, but I think New Japan's back. I can't wait for G1 in front of a real crowd for the first time since 2019. Um, And, you know, this whole show was really good. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I didn't think anything else was great on the show, but it was a it was a really good show that was watchable from start to finish with a with a fucking awesome main event. And um, you know, it leads in it, it you know, and then Tanahashi challenging Okada, which you know, I thought Kenta would win because Kenta's facing Fred Rosser for the strong title, but you know, I guess they don't really give a fuck about that. And it's gonna be Tanahashi Okada, main event of battle in the valley, and I love how. Tanahashi Okada has kind of become sort of this go-to match when they go to the United States, which was something that we thought was a good idea at the time when they did the first time in Dallas, where it's like, all right, we've kind of run this thing into the ground in Japan, but US fans are going to treat it like it's something special because right, right. it was the define it was the defining match of the Western New Japan fan,
0: right? It's, it's this generation steamboat and flair or whatever. And, and yeah, yeah, if you can bring that to a town, if you can bring that to a place, then yeah, you, you do that because it's just holding it, it, It's, it's in such high reverence or whatever that, yeah, you, you're special. If you're seeing Tanahashi face Okada, you know, and I saw them face off in a tag match and I saw a building do, you know, they both tagged in and the whole building stood up and, and, and cheered. It was in Chicago. It was at the, you know, the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago Ridge or whatever. It wasn't even a singles match, but it was like those two guys got in the ring and everybody in the audience just stood and, and, and gave them a standing ovation just for those two dudes being in the ring together at the same time. I mean, that's just it, it. It That's the level it's on.
1: Yeah, and it's smart and you know this awful, awful discourse that you know, money should go on last is <laughs> it's utter nonsense. It's listen Go away.
0: Go. You know what? If you're new and this is you, then just go away. We don't need you. We don't want you.
1: It's it. Look, it, this is Okada Tanahashi, and it's the IWGP World Heavyweight Title. And maybe you can make the argument. Maybe make the arguments if it was Okada versus I don't know. I don't even know who to, else to. Minoru Suzuki, maybe or something. Okada or maybe, versus Kenta, right there. Kenta wins, and it's Okada versus Kenta. Yeah, I mean, you know, then maybe, but it's like. It's Okada and Tanahashi. What are we doing? You're, you're not going on after that, match, and and nor should you. And you could sit here and tell me that Money sold all those tickets, and she did. Okay? There's no denying it. We talked about it. Money sold those tickets. But I can tell you right now, if Okada, Tanahashi would have been the match, if that match would have been named before Monday, they would have sold the tickets. Don't think for one second that this show wouldn't have been a sellout Without money, if Okada and Tanahashi had, and that's not taking anything away from money, and they're all going to take it that way, you know that. But it's don't think for one second that this is a match like Okada Tanahashi is a match that also couldn't have put two thousand people in San Jose. It would have. Okay, you know how I know that they put five thousand people. Just say so you were at a building that had more than okay? two
0: thousand people, and so, they were the main event. Yeah,
1: they, yeah. So they're going to sell two. 000, they would have sold the tickets too. And I'm sorry, but it's a much bigger match. It's a historical match. And it's for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. So it should go on last. It deserves to go on last. And that's just the way New Japan does things. Okay, this ain't WWE, this ain't AEW. Take that shit and hit the bricks. Okay, it doesn't. Money should not main event. And she will not main event. Not this show. And maybe there will be a New Japan show. I'm sure there'll be New Japan shows that she made events. In fact, I'm positive of it. I'd be willing to bet that. You're not main eventing over Okada. It's not, you're not going on last. It's not happening. It just isn't happening. It's it's absurd. And, um, you know, it's not even something we should be wasting our time on. You know, because half these people are probably 15 years old that are complaining about this. <laughs> right, yeah. But, um yeah, and New Japan doesn't
0: give a fuck. They just don't get it. Well, they just don't get how the business works. It's fine. You're you're new, and, and you don't understand how this company. But yeah, you're not you're not going to main event over Okada and, and, and Tanahashi. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's completely absurd. Yeah, it's 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 completely absurd. So um, to even suggest that that shouldn't be the case now they're they're billing them as co-main events, which that's good. I, you know, that, and that's good. That, that's 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 and important. I have, and yeah. I don't have a problem with it either. Yeah. Like that's yeah, you know, if you want to make this title important, this women's title and you're paying money, whatever you're paying her and you want her to be a key figure in this new Japan, strong rebranding thing, you know, that they're calling the new Japan show strong in the U S or whatever, then you absolutely should do that. And the goal all along was to build this title around her and elevate it and make it important. And, you know, um, show Americans how women's wrestling should be done. Right. All those goals they have. I have no problem with the co-main event thing, but, um, it shouldn't go on last. It just shouldn't. So, you know, those two matches are set and we got Saber versus Clark Connors for the TV title. Uh, Fred Rosser versus Kenta for the strong title. And I really don't know what the future of that will look like um, with this sort of rebranding Motor City Machine Guns, who a lot of people probably aren't even aware hold a set of new Japan titles. We'll defend the strong tag team titles against West Coast Wrecking Crew. And then um, we've got Homicide versus Tom Lawler. I'm saving the Kingston white match because we're going to talk about that. Um, Adrian Quest, a.k.a. Young Flago, who does not play. Josh Alexander, Mascara Dorada, and Rocky Romero versus Kevin Knight, Kushida, the DKC, and Valdor Jr., um a lot of names in that match that maybe should have been in something a little more substantial, but uh getting them on the card. And then the two um pre-show matches Bobby Fish versus David Finley, which I think can be a tremendous pre-show match, and Jared Kratos versus Alice Coughlin. So let's talk about Eddie Kingston versus Jay White.
0: Let's do that. Yeah. So a little a new caveat to that. If you're if you're looking at our our, our run sheet, our topics and and run sheet that we put on flagship uh, it does say or it did say earlier today that it was, you know, a match and loser leave but now it has been the, the new caveat of that match is now loser never wrestles for New Japan for wrestling again. I forget it. What was the exact wording that New Japan used? But loser leaves
1: Loser leaves
0: Japan. Well that was the that was the Jay White um
1: Yes. Now which one are you talking? Piccoleo.
0: I'm now talking about the the Eddie Kingston Jay White one.
1: Oh, the Eddie Kingston Jay White. I don't know the exact loser leaves
0: New Japan for wrestling is, is the stipulation now for that match.
1: Right. So Kingston could hypothetically beat Jay White, and then Jay White, this would be a loser leave town match, whereas Jay White versus Hiku was loser leaves Japan, which was the kind of the difference. Right, right.
0: Which, which we, you know, and we talked about last week that there's always the caveat of, okay. Maybe Jay's sick of going to Japan. Maybe they really want to build this US property. Maybe they want Jay White to do AEW and also do new whatever it may be. Okay, then this this stipulation works out perfectly. Then you, you then tell Jay White, hey, you're done in New You're Done in Japan proper, but you can still work for us. You can work for A. There's a there's a way we can work with you here where you don't leave, you're not going to WWE or whatever, but you're sticking with us and 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 you know there's ways around it. And and that's what I thought that caveat was. Now it gets a little more interesting with this match where now it's loser leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: Jay White told AEW two years ago that he had a seven-year New Japan contract. Okay, I believe that he said that because I don't believe that AEW would lie to Dave Meltzer about that, and I don't believe that Dave Meltzer would make that up out of thin air. Um, would Jay White lie to AEW and tell them he had a seven-year contract when he only had a two-year contract or a th- or however many years ago that was? I don't even, you know, but it wasn't seven years ago is the point. I don't know, but that'd be a really dumb lie to tell because all it's going to do is hurt your leverage. You would want all right. of the You, you, you should know. want everybody
0: to think that your contract's
1: always coming up <laughs> so you can make more money. Right. So now all of a sudden we're being told his contract is up and he's leaving the company and first they do this weird thing where it's loser leave japan now they're doing a loser leave town with eddie kingston and kingston doesn't even work for new japan um what's what's odd is and you know fightful reported his contracts up no other outlet has put their name on that or reported that dave Meltzer hasn't reported that not to my knowledge mike johnson hasn't reported that nobody else um There's just so many red flags. And that doesn't mean I'm putting down Sean Ross Sapp's reporting. I'm sure he was told that Jay White's contract is up. So that's not the point of this. The point of this is he says he has a seven-year deal. Now he says his contract's up two years later. Now there's that weird stipulation last week, which people took as leaving New Japan, but it was only really leaving Japan. There's the fact that two years ago, I reported that he was tired of flying back and forth to Japan, tired of the COVID shit, tired of going to Japan in general. A lot of red flags that all adds up to is it possible? Is there a possibility here that Jay White is just going to be stationed in the United States and they're going to build this New Japan strong thing around him and money, which would make sense and make everybody happy. Jay White doesn't have to go to Japan anymore. They have a big star to work their American shows and Jay White along with money, and they would build it around those two. Um, I do think that's possible. You know, maybe Eddie Kingston beats him. And he really is leaving. I don't know. Or maybe all this just work. And Jay White did an interview where he said, oh, I have a lot of possibilities on the table. Impact, WWE, oh, hold on a second. Impact? (laughs) Yeah, why was this Impact first? Why was it first and why was it even brought up? Like, that's not a real option. So, do they have Kingston beat him? And then do this thing where it's like, he's out of New Japan, but it's an angle. And then he pops up in impact where he's been before. Maybe he pops up in AEW to get, to get revenge on Kingston because now Kingston's building a long-term angle because I don't know if you saw it, but Kingston cut a Twitter promo or whatever, where he's like, and Jay, don't, don't come for me in AEW. If you want to come for me in AEW, I'll kick your ass there too. So it's like, they're building a program, not just a match, which tells me, that if Jay White had one foot in the door in WWE and everybody knew it, and he was just finishing up, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't build a match for AEW. You know, after you know, for after however this one turns out. And I'm not sure if this really was it for Jay White. If leo and Eddie Kingston are the two guys you put over,
0: right? Yeah, that, that's Hikuleo I. Guess I kind of get, but I mean, we can follow that up with he's not in the New Japan Cup, so it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like they they quite got him uh, going there. But just ultimately, like, okay, if he's going to WWE, then why are we going? We, we wouldn't go through all this trouble, like you're saying, and and the trouble is resulting in Eddie Kingston and Hikuleo getting wins over Jay White. Like, I just don't know that, like, if this guy was was finishing up, you do the Hikuleo thing, and he just go. You know, I I don't know that you bring attention to it. I don't know that you you it's just it, it's a little too fishy for me and it's been kind of weird there's from the beginning lot of red flags. there's a lot, a lot of, of red, red flags. flags there's a lot of red herrings there's a lot of weird things about this that i just cannot fully buy into jay white's getting the one two three eddie kinks is holding his hands up jay white's rolling out of that ring and he's debuting at wrestlemania i just i i don't i don't see why all this would happen the way it's happened if that was going to be the case like it, there's there's something more to it there's something that we're playing here there's some Forty chess. They think that they're playing. That I. I don't know. I, I think ultimately it's a stupid story. Like I don't really give a shit, and I don't know why I should give a shit really about this story of of Jay White leaving the company or, or is he staying? But no, it all it all comes across kind of fishy to me. And there's just there's enough red flags, red herrings, whatever you want to say that make me think that this is all just a giant work and and it all makes sense and the pieces will come together uh, eventually. But you know, ultimately, it's still I'm um, the same. Way I've been about Jay White for a while. It's like, all right, to what end though? What what what's what are we doing here? Like, we're just wasting time with this.
1: I just feel like there's a lot of evidence that they're telling a story as opposed to Jay White's really finishing up. And I could be wrong. Well,
0: they're just they're shining so much of a light on it that you. W- I don't know that you would do that if the guy was just sh- if he was going to WWE and he says, I you know I'm, I'm done. I have nothing to do with you guys. I'm going to WWE.
1: I'm out. Like, I, would you shine all this light on it? I mean, yeah, but I don't know if I'd put Leo and Eddie Kingston over as the two guys yeah, that are. Well, and
0: and, that, and that's kind of what I mean is like if if, if if you're thinking, all right, this guy, we got nothing more with this guy and he's done and this is his final night. I don't know that this is probably not how they would book it. And that's not how well, Japan has booked it in the past when guys
1: have. Leo at least makes sense for the story. Kingston doesn't even work for the company. Like he's not. He, he's an AEW wrestler who does the occasional new Japan shot in the U S that's how we're sending Jay white out. I mean, wouldn't you do it with a bigger angle, a bigger program? I, I, I tend to think that the thing that you said there is that either
0: there's two scenarios. He, he either wins and Eddie either doesn't wrestle for new Japan strong anymore. It's not that big of a deal or they just forget they about it. Eventually yeah.
1: W later. Maybe yeah. They or he puts the stipulation on the
0: line again. Or yeah, but, but then like, yeah, you said Jay white, then if he's going to stick in America, and just be American-based New Japan Pro wrestler, then they have an active relationship with AEW. that active relationship with a bunch of other companies. He In can hat. just bounce around. Yeah, he can just bounce around all those different companies and 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 do that, which would be fine. Like that'd be he'd be an ambassador for New Japan Pro Wrestling and never have to go to Japan, which might be exactly what he wants out of his life right now. When, when you know, sick of of going on the you know back and forth on on planes and whatnot, but. There's that scenario, or he loses, and then you could still do that same scenario too, where he bounces around and does all these different things, and eventually they find some way to worm him back in, or he wins a match and gets back in, or whatever. I just, yeah, I, I, I I'm. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we'll be wrong, but I just, there's too much. There's too much smoke to the fire that I, I just don't think that this guy's rolling out of the ring and going to WWE. I just, there's, there's, he. I feel like he's sticking with New Japan for Wrestling in in some form or fashion, and, and that might be. You know, working with other satellite promotions, it might just be working strong. I don't know what it is, but uh, I think this is all building to him maybe getting this win against Eddie and then just going from there. But I don't know. We'll, well, I guess we'll find out on Saturday.
1: It just makes a whole lot of sense to base him in the U.S. and have him work all of these U.S. shows. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense for everybody involved.
0: And and if he wants to do the occasional AEW thing, if he wants to do a a, a month long AEW, or hell, if he wants to be an active, I mean, you could do that. And that's that's the benefit of having a relationship with that company is that you can say, okay, we're, we're going to have him be here mostly for strong, but hey, you want to work AEW, Jay? Great. We're fine with AEW. They're cool with it. We, we trust that you'll be booked well. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Impact, we've had a relationship with those guys in the past. Sure. Go ahead. Like, that's fine. That's good. That That's good for all parties involved that you can do that. And if that's what, you know, to put a new coat of paint on Jay White, maybe Jay White feel like he's done everything he could possibly do uh, in Japan. And he might be right. I mean, I I could definitely say because I've been bored the hell, uh, you know, I've been bored of, of of Jay White for a while there in Japan. So, yeah, maybe they're going to put, put a different look and feel uh, on Jay White. And that's fine, too. So I,
1: I don't know. That That's kind of where I'm at. I am so indifferent on Jay White overall, like. If he if he goes to WWE, great. I think he'd fit in great there, honestly. Um, if he doesn't go to WWE and stays with New Japan, okay. If it's, he just pops up in AW, it's just exhausting. I want okay. him
0: to be somewhere and do something. I'm just sick
1: of this. He he's an old school worker too. You can't yeah. trust anything out of his mouth. He's you know, and I'm not even knocking that. I think we need more of that in in in, in all honesty. But he's the kind of guy where it's almost like if he says something, I immediately believe the opposite. You know, that that's, that's, he's always working. He doesn't, you know, he's, you know, and there's nothing wrong with, again, I think wrestling would be better if, if, if more guys kind of had that mindset, but there is an exhausting kind of feel that surrounds him as well. I, I, I don't know, but, um, Yeah, look, there'll be some intrigue around the match and there'll be some intrigue around the result. So you do have to say that this is also Saturday. Head to head with the Elimination Chamber is at the end of the day. Uh, So I think so. It's weird. I think Elimination Chamber starts before.
0: Yeah. Battle in the Valley. I think Battle in the Valley starts on the West Coast. Yeah, it's West Coast. So I I forget the exact start time, but it's a little bit later than people might think. So if you're sitting down at seven, it's not going to be that. I believe it is beginning i want to say nine central ten yeah ten eastern nine central uh on fight voices wrestling.com fight right. by the way if you want to see that so.
1: well at nine central i will be switching over to fight yep because i i can't imagine watching elimination chamber over this i mean that's that's not going to happen but i you know i do think if someone wanted to they can watch the entire Elimination Chamber. And then and then pop over, over. To,
0: yeah. You'll get to the business end of, of Battle of yeah. the Valley by the time that's going on for sure.
1: Right. You could definitely do that. You could watch. Yeah. You could probably get the last three at minimum of this show after Elimination Chamber ends. It'll be the last hour, so you could do that, and then go back and catch the Battle in the Valley undercard. But I think on Saturday, I will probably be very anxious to switch off of elimination chamber and put this on (laughs) for sure. Um, the one thing with the four TVs, for whatever reason, I can't do two wrestling shows at the same time. I can't do it. It, it, I can't concentrate. I end up watching neither of them for wrestling. I I know that makes sense. sense.
0: Well, no, no, it it makes sense to me because you're trying to focus because if you had to talk about a baseball game afterwards, you couldn't watch three baseball games at you're the right. same time either. Yeah, if, you're if, right. If you had to analyze, all right, I, mean, I got to analyze this Reds game for uh, you know local radio, you can't also be watching the national game and a bunch of and another game at the same. Yeah. But you know, if you're just like, ah, I'm watching the games, you know, what I mean? like you could, yeah, you could bounce around because it doesn't really matter. Your your brain can just kind of process it and let it go if it really wants. Whereas this, you had to watch and, and, and come on here and talk about it, review it, write about it, all that sort of stuff. So different animal for sure.
1: Yeah, I've tried doing multiple wrestling at once, and it's just, I'm like, man, I can't do this. I'm not watching anything. Um, so anyway, that'll be a packed night that uh, you'll have a lot of catching up to do. I sir. will
0: unfortunately have a lot of catching up to damn NBA, uh, all star Saturday, but uh, you know what? Hey, the NBA stuff might end, and Battle in the Valley might still be going on, so maybe I'll pop in and, and, and watch the last half of that, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Mercedes, uh, see hopefully the uh, the In ring work is a little bit better than what we saw, obviously in the in the one move that we saw at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a big moment. So it'll be it'll be a, it'll really tell us what this is going to look like. If she comes in and she works her ass off and she's motivated and and over and stuff, that's cool. This could go this could go poorly too. You know what I mean? Like there 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 does exist the possibility that she goes out there and, and bombs, and then it's it's very very interesting what happens moving forward after that. But
1: hey, hey look. Her debut sucked. sucked, There's no way around it. You know, they botched the the move. Promo was awful. Um, Her entrance was good, but everything after the entrance was terrible. I mean, it couldn't have went worse. So I think a lot of people gave her a pass, though, and we'll see what she looks like here. She's in there with a great wrestler. They've worked together. There's no excuse. They should be able to have a great match. And I know she's going to be motivated to have a great match. So I I don't think she's not going to go in there and dog it. That's not who she is. You know, she's going to want to have a great match and she's going to want to steal the show. And Okada and Tanahashi are going on after them. So you're going to, it's a high bar if you want to steal the show. And she knows that. So it's going to be a big spotlight on this. And if she doesn't have a great match, and it has to, and I'm talking great, there's going to be a lot of questions, fair or unfair, because the debut was so lousy. So if she comes out and has a nice little three and a quarter star match, people aren't going to go for that. That you know, sh- there's a lot of pressure on her in this spot. She has to have a great match. Yeah, she's got to be great. That's the bar. It has to be great. She has to come out.
0: Yeah, a nice and, little two, three, you know, three and a quarter star match, or you know, that, that's not gonna. No, people are not gonna. not
1: gonna cut it. No, it, you know, it, it's got to be great. And you know, the WWE fans are chomping at the bit to to shit on her too. You know, not her fans. Obviously, her fans, they're the most devoted fans. You'll <laughs> they'll find. do
0: anything. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll do anything. But for the
1: her. WWE fans who feel like that she is betraying them, all those geeks. You know what I mean? They're dying to fucking pick at the bones, you know? So this match has to be great or, you know, Twitter's going to be a cesspool. Well, I mean, more than usual,
0: more than usual. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, from the standpoint of the narratives being creative and everything and, oh, she can't do it outside WWE. She's lost it. She's, you know, um, she has to, there's really a lot of pressure to have a great match, but listen, this is what she wanted she wanted this she wanted this pressure she's out on her own she's trying to prove something um i find it hard to believe that they won't have a great match unless she has lost something in the interim you know the old ring rust or whatever um cables versus ropes like they used to struggle with back in the <laughs> right the size of the rings yeah the yeah. size
0: of the ring cuz the ww ring was you know so much smaller than the WF ring or whatever so yeah i don't know
1: all right. Well, that's uh battle in the Valley. Yep. And then
0: this Saturday on fight voices, wrestling.com slash fights. If you're going to order that show, make sure you use that link. And uh, yeah, we'll cover that, uh, cover that next week.
1: And Okada's got another big match for next week. We got a lot to cover next week. We
0: do. Yeah. So we, I was going to touch on the new Japan cup brackets, but we'll do that next week. We have too much going on this week. We, we've, we spent an hour and 30 minutes. It's not till the fifth. We'll do it next week. It's fine. Yeah. If you're wondering what about new Japan cup, we're going to talk about it next week. Don't worry. We got it. But yes, Okada has another huge match coming up. It is the semi main event of Keiji Muto grand final pro wrestling last Love, hold out, February 21st, 2023, Tokyo Dome, the final bye-bye, I think. Finally, go bye. Please, bye-bye. Go away, Muto. Uh, I believe this is it for Keiji Muto. Uh, he'll be in the main event against Tetsuya Naito, but the semi-main event is one of my most anticipated matches in quite some time. It's Okada versus Kaito Kiyomiya, and these motherfuckers want to kill each other. Okada is the best grumpy asshole this new character that he's got, the new persona he's got, whether it's just for this match or this is what he's going to be for the rest of the year or whatever or, or, or moving forward. I don't know what it is, but God, the build of this has been awesome. Okada just doesn't. If, if people didn't see the original match, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Essentially, Kiyomiya tagged in and said, I want Okada. And Okada was like, I'm not going to fucking face you. Get the hell out of here. Tagged himself out. Said, no, you're not on my level. You know, and then later he he does tag in begrudgingly and he goes, all right, all right, we're wrestling. And, you know, Okada it, 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 later in the match has like a, a, a kind of a chin lock in and Kiyomiya comes in and he kicks him in the back a couple times. And Okada's just like, eh, what the fuck's going on? Is that kid trying to kick me? A <laughs> kid really? Oh, he thinks it's a hot shot. He's trying to kick me. All right, cool. And then Kiyomiya goes, all right, well, then fine. And kicks him in the fucking face. And Okada loses his mind, blood dripping from his nose. And he is just an animal ripping at Kaito Kimia and beating him up. And the match gets thrown out in six minutes because these guys are just trying to rip at each other and rip and rip. And and So, yeah, that was awesome. That's how that match started. And then Okada, the entire time that this match has been building, says, "Eh, I might show up. I might not. I don't know. This guy's not really worth my time. But maybe I will. You know, they do a press conference. Doesn't show up. He's just a complete asshole about all of it. And then he appears Joe, and you you watch this angle so you can touch on it a little bit more. Uh, he does appear at a Noah show uh, last week uh, to run in and 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 beat up Kaito Kiyomiya uh, and 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 formally accept the challenge and accept this match that he's going to do here on February twenty first. But yeah, how did how did that angle go? I have not seen the the I haven't seen the full show yet. I've seen little clips of it, but 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 how did it go? You know, in the in the context of the show itself.
1: Well, yeah, Kiyomiya beat Jack Morris in a good little match, Um, a a shade shy of notebook for me, but Jack Morris acquitted himself well in what by far was the biggest match of his career. This was also in the body maker one. To give you an idea of the New Japan attendance, you know, doing a little over 4,000 limited attendance, Noah did 2,092 in the same building, okay? So that was a good number for New Japan with the limited attendance. And Noah continues this pattern of anything that's related to the MUTO retirement tour does very well. And this dome show is going to do very well. Um, and it looks like they're going to announce a number a little bigger than Wrestle Kingdom, but we'll see what the real number is. Um, and anything that doesn't involve the MUTO retirement doesn't do as well. And that's a huge concern for them. They don't do that well in Corican. In fact, they put up some pretty lousy Corican numbers in all honesty, um, you know, and this show only did a shade over 2000 fans, which honestly, you know, you go back and look at Keito Kiyomiya's first GHC run, you know, under the old ownership and everything. That's not far off from numbers that they could have done previous to that. So there's a little, and, and if we wanted to, we could do a deeper dive on Noah attendance. We don't have time tonight and maybe I'll do something like that for the paywall because I think it's interesting because when Muto's gone, he's gone. You know, and if they don't talk like Hiroshi Hase into coming back and that won't be at Muto's level anyway. And what are they going to turn to here? You know, if 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 Kiyomiya hasn't effectively gotten over now, if Kiyomiya beats Okada. I mean, shit, that's going to be huge. Would New Japan go for that? Doubtful. Doubtful. Why would New Japan allow that?
0: Right. They right? probably I honestly they probably should because I think it would be a really, really cool. I don't think Okada loses anything by that. You're putting. I mean, it is risky. You gotta. You gotta have it pen and paper. That okay? If you're gonna, if Okada is gonna lose to Kiyomiya, we need this match at this time, and this is the result, and we're gonna do the rematch. It's gonna be on one of our shows. There's a lot of ways that you can do it. It's risky. It's risky, but I do think it might be a pretty. It might be a cool idea to do with somebody like an Okada, who I think is pretty Teflon. I think you can kind of fuck around with 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 Okada's wins and losses at this point, and, and be okay. I I think it would be. It would add to that edge that Okada's had. It will add a little bit to to a future rematch if those they do it. But at the end of the day, it's still Okada. It's still Kiyomiya. It's still New Japan is in the driver's seat of this thing. Make no question about it.
1: Absolutely. any
0: any... we're bringing our big star to your show for you, but it's because we're being nice.
1: And honestly, I mean, look, at least for Western fans. Kiyomiya Okada is the match, not Muto Naito. Right. Not Muto Naito. You know, n- maybe not in Japan. But for people listening to this, more people are jacked up for this Kiyomiya Okada match because it's been built so well. So, anyway, Okada comes in after Kiyomiya wins and he gives him, he comes in from the crowd and he delivers a rainmaker and gets booed out of the fucking building. I love this so much. This whole angle is so good. The Noah fans are irate that Okada pulled this shit. Um that's gonna be a hot match in that dome now look Okada has disrespected Kiomiya every step of the way I'm never wrestling that geek uh, you know a year ago who is he I don't know his name like you know right through the you know the disrespect in the lead up to this now he jumps him and then the the promo was something to the effect of listen you little asshole you want to match with me all right I'll give it to you as his dead body's laying there like just total disrespect and from that standpoint, traditional pro wrestling booking says that Kiyomiya wins the match, right? That's how you do these things. But I just can't wrap my head around that. No, I mean, we, just if, had,
0: we just had a scenario happen a couple weeks ago where we, you and I both thought, well, you know what? Or at least I thought. I was like, man, I think Kano's probably going to beat Naito the way that they've built this up. Where Naito said, you're a fucking geek and you're not on my level and you don't belong or whatever. And then Naito just beat the guy. And it was like,
1: oh, all right. Well, nevertheless. Yeah. And it's like. I just can't wrap my head around New Japan going for that. And even even if even if Okada gets his win back on one of their own shows later on, the only way that you can rationalize it would be when Kadani and Bayashi talked about how coming out of the pandemic, wrestling has to come together and help each other to crawl out of this thing and get back to where we were. And there is something to that in Japan. and America, fuck that. They'd never work together. You know what I mean? In Japan, it's more likely that the egos would be put aside, the competition would be put aside, and they'd say, look, we're coming out of this tough pandemic. We need to put some attention and some spotlight on wrestling. And if New Japan feels it's best for the pro wrestling business, for Kiyomiya and Okada to trade wins, because there's no way Kiyomiya is ever beating him, and then, then that's it. They would trade the wins. Oh, of course. Yeah, Okada's getting the win back. Then that's the only way I can see it. And I still have a hard time with it.
0: Yeah, I I think that it would be smart for them to do that and to build and, and say, okay, it's going to be better for all of us. It's going to be better for New Japan. It's going to be better for Noah. It's going to be better for for Japanese wrestling in general, the, just the business of Japanese wrestling. If Kiyomiya wins this match and we come back at, at, at Dominion, Okada then. Has this new edge, this new character that he's going to do for the next half of the year or whatever, where he's fucking pissed off and he wants his revenge or whatever. And then Kiyomiya is going to come to Dominion on their terms in in, in in a New Japan ring, and Okada's going to get his win back, hit that Rainmaker, and all will be right in the world. Like, I I think that that's a good way to do it. It helps Kiyomiya, it helps, you know, New Japan maybe draw another house uh, in, in Dominion. Maybe it gets Noah fans interested in New Japan. Maybe it gets New Japan fans interested in Noah. Like Like you said, Japan is a way where, and it's not always the it doesn't always go this way, but there is an idea that, like, hey, if we're just growing interest in professional wrestling, we're, you know, we're going to raise all ships. This higher tide is going to raise all ships. Where in America, it's like, fuck you, we want to put you out of business. You know what I mean? Every company wants to put every other company out of business. Yeah. The end goal. WWE would love to put AEW out of business. AEW would like to do the opposite. There, there's, they would never look at the, you know, post pandemic and say, you know what? Let's work together to try to get more people watching wrestling. It would never happen in a million years in America, but in Japan, it it does, and it has happened numerous times. Go back and look. Anytime you see a, a swath of random like joint shows, it's probably that the business is in the fucking tank. You know what I mean? Or, or something's not going well for the companies that are doing this, and and they'll do that. They'll dust it off, and and this used to be commonplace throughout the mid two thousands. You go back and look at mid two thousands. There's a lot of hey, this company and this company, hey, they're coming together for a show or whatever. Ah, you know that usually not good it's usually a bad sign uh, it's usually that we're trying to raise both you know get get both companies a little bit you know more publicity so I think there's a way to do this that it works out okay and it, it, it ends up being better for both parties but you're right it does seem it just it's hard to get in the headspace that Okada is not just going to hit that Rainmaker one two three and shove this guy out of his ring and do the rainmaker pose in the middle of the ring. It's just hard to believe. It, would, it
1: wouldn't hurt him to trade wins at all.
0: I no, mean, no, no, no. I agree. It, but but it's it's be hard for New Japan to let that go because they're in the they're in the driver's seat so clearly.
1: Yeah, and um, look, it's it's there's a way for Kiyomiya to lose and still come out a winner. It's pro wrestling. We've seen a million times. There's a way where he can lose the match and come out better for it. Um, But if that... if Look, if that were the case and this were planned out long enough in advance, I would have made sure he wasn't champion when the match took place. If I were Noah. But Noah is booked so poorly that who knows if they even care or are thinking about that. So... um, But if it were me and I knew Kiyomiya would be losing to Wakata, I wouldn't have any problem with him doing it if he wasn't my champion. Because again, even in defeat, he can come out ahead. But as champion, that kind of makes it kind of, it's a sketchier situation to me to have your champion lose to the other guy's champ. But New Japan has the high ground. And if they want to put as many people as possible in this dome, and they felt that that was a super strong semi, and it is, maybe make that concession. And maybe New Japan says, look, Here's the other piece of it. Maybe New Japan says, all right, if you want Tetsuya Naito for Mudo and you want Kazuchika Okada on this show, here's what we want. Okada to pin Kiyomiya center of the ring. Right. And then what do you say if you're Noah? Oh, if, you have especially a
0: Noah. I mean, they'll 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 gladly give that guy. Up well, you
1: too. don't even have, well, you don't even have a choice because then who does Muto face in his retirement? Right, match? right. And again, it's another it's, thing of
0: Muto kind of running the show there. And if he wants to face Naito, you got to do whatever you know you can do to let that happen or get that to happen. So
1: yeah, because you don't have anyone big enough for Muto to face in his retirement. And then what does Muto do? He gives that match to New Japan, right. Mudo goes to New Japan and gives them his retirement match because they have the opponent he needs. Right. So, it's... What, what really is happening here is probably we're all overthinking. It's new, Noah's between a rock and a hard place. You want Naito? Okay. But Okada is pinning Kiyomiya, center of the ring. That, and that's the only way we're doing this. So... Right, it's very
0: possible the end of the result is that Okada does the rainmaker in the middle of the ring, but then after the match, you know, sticks the hand out, put her here, pal. You've earned my respect or whatever, little kid. And then he does
1: what the jerk in the main event never did. Right, right, yeah,
0: because he'll do that. He'll do. He'll He'll pick him up. He'll
1: pick him up off the mat,
0: raise his hand, put his arm around him, pat him on the head, whatever it is. But yeah, he's not going to get out of there in two seconds and roll him out of the ring.
1: Yeah. So look, it's super intriguing. I can't wait. You know, and then there's Muto Naito, which. As far as Muto and his limping around and he's all hunched over. And oh, he barely this move.
0: He's a fucking worker. People are like, oh, he's going to go into this match and he could barely stand. He's a fucking worker. He's well, a pro wrestler. Go ahead. What do you got?
1: I got two theories on it. Number one, you know, getting pushed around in the wheelchair and he's all hunched over like he's 80 years old. <laughs> I think that was all just in case the ticket sales didn't look good. Oh, you think he was ready to back out? And then he could back out. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, he's, a so, he's a worker. He's a worker. No
0: matter what your two are going to be, it's because he's a fucking worker. But. Oh
1: yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's I
0: not think, many just scuzzy carnies left in the business, and I, I mean that in the best way possible. Like scuzzy he's, he, Listen,
1: he's the Hulk Hogan of Japan. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, for sure.
1: So it was either to give himself an out if he didn't like the ticket sales, and the other hat piece of it is he's not hurt nearly as bad as he's letting on. So then his performance could be lauded as a miracle. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I my third theory too,
0: is that he's just, he's a carny worker. So he might, you know, go in with all that. And then if he lose, when he loses the match, just go in and say, oh, I could barely walk. And uh, perfect you know, number three. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah, it it he beat me, but I, I, you know, I had to, struggle through like Hulk Hogan who tears every muscle in his back you yeah. know he he beats Andre and slams him but he tore every muscle in his back doing it and he didn't know if Andre was going to shoot on him or not <laughs> it's like shut the fuck up just shut off yeah. yeah Muto's
1: completely full of shit <laughs> right. I mean you know it, it's just I can you know, barely walk is, <laughs> my hips okay it's an excuse for losing and it's you know and ex- and it sets up a miracle incredible performance if he's not as hurt as he's letting on if he's, you know what I mean, if he's more, if he's less hurt, you get the idea. Yeah. You what know? about the ultimate or, power play where Muta just said, uh, where he wins, he politics himself to win. That's not happening, right? There's no way. I mean, I guess it it's, not it is, it is <laughs> it's not possible. It is Muta. It's not impossible, And Naito's not being pushed right now. Right. But I mean, you know. Did you, guys, did you see the he,
0: Naito quotes where he's like, I don't think this guy's retiring. <laughs> like, I mean, it's reasonable. <laughs> Tetsuya Naito, a normal human being, is like, I don't know, he says he's retiring. I don't know if he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because yeah. Sawa's already not retiring, you know, on his retirement well, Tadahashi,
1: tour. Tanahashi got sassy again.
0: Yeah. he.
1: I forget his latest quote. but um,
0: He's the king of sass, man. You call me secretly sassy.
1: Tanahashi does not take Muto's bullshit. No, he He, doesn't
0: take anyone's bullshit, man. Remember, uh, we we go back to the DDT thing. Remember when he got in the ring with Hirashiman, It was just like, this guy's a fucking dork. I'm not doing shit with this guy. Look at this fucker. I'm not doing anything. He had no respect
1: for him. No respect. Got in the ring. It was like, me and this guy? We're on the same level? Get out of here. Who's this fucker? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and he's normally very giving, but in that situation, he's like, I don't. Oh, and he was he, good, he's
0: He's he's on one. He is on one. Yeah, and he he has never taken Muno's bullshit. He knows he's a fucking carny.
1: Yeah. Well, it was great at Wrestle Kingdom where he wouldn't leave Muto's side. So Muto couldn't get the spotlight, <laughs> the, spotlight the literal. He literally made sure to share the
0: spotlight with him. I I, right. I love it. Like a literal spotlight that he made sure that he could share. So yeah.
1: he's like, if you're not going to give Umino the rub, I'm not. You're not pulling this thing where you just stand alone in the aisle. Yeah, I'm coming with you. know, you. I'm, I'm basically handcuffed to you. And you're not <laughs> you're not doing this on our turf, you I know, and, and Muto was grumpy that night grumpy because he couldn't pull it there it's not noah where he just pushes everybody around <laughs> no 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 there's enough dudes there that, that. Yeah, that's a real promotion with real egos and 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 other guys at your level and everything else it's like yeah no
0: one's scared of you there they don't they don't really right. give a shit. They don't give yeah. A fuck
1: yeah we're doing you a favor you know what i mean <laughs> like you know so yeah i don't know and then um yeah you know, the Tanahashi quote
0: the Tanahashi quote, if he, if he didn't see, if you yeah, didn't uh, see, yeah. is that he said, well, if, M- if Muda's retiring at 61 years old, then I'm gonna retire when I'm 61 or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> just no matter what age he retires at, I'm gonna retire a year after him just to better him. <laughs> it's like yeah, all right. Fuck
1: that guy. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love the quote. i love that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> I would keep an eye on Amakusa versus Hiromu because that Amakusa has been doing great work since the gimmick change and kind of has that Hiromu energy, the frenetic, old-school Hiromu energy. So um, I would keep an eye on that one, too. We don't have time to go through the whole card tonight. I will say this. The... Daiki, Anaba, Masakitamiya title win over Satoshi Kojima and Takashi Segera. I went notebook on that. That was an excellent match. Segera and Kojima have just been a great tag team. And I don't know if this is the end for them. You know, with them losing the titles, maybe Kojima goes back to New Japan now. I don't know. And I'll give you another match, Rich. Kork and Hall, February 5th. Main event, El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. over Manabu Soya, national title, four and a quarter from JL. El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. Whoa, okay, all right. I'm telling you, they tore the house down at Corkin. Only drew 800 fans, but they tore the house down. (laughs) So um, I liked what I saw from the two Noah shows I watched this week. Watched them both in full, gearing up for all this shit that's coming up. So, yes,
0: yeah, so this is February 21st, by the way, if, if we didn't say at the beginning. And that is on a Tuesday, which is a little interesting. I think there might be a holiday or, or, or some reason, but it's on a Tuesday. So it's a little weird. But yeah, we'll, we will, uh, I guess we're going to have to review that one next week, too. We're going to have a busy as hell week, a lot of wrestling to watch uh, o- over the next week. But uh, thankfully, what we are not going to have to watch anymore, NWA <laughs> Nuff said. What do you mean? I'm watching the replay <laughs> and really enough said, I think I'm good. I think I've said enough right there. Uh, you didn't like the show. Uh, Joe, I did not like NWA enough said no. Why I, uh, uh, well, everything was not good. Um, and yeah, that's kind of why, I mean, everything was just, it, it was just boring. It was just bad and boring. Every, every, nothing. I mean, the met when legit, when Angelina love might be in your match of the night, like how, yeah. how, right?
1: Well, I mean, I enjoyed that match.
0: That's what I'm saying. But like Angelina Love is potentially in your match of the night.
1: Doesn't speak highly of the rest uh, of the show. I don't know about potentially. I think definitely. <laughs> definitely? You're, you're locking it in. I mean, I'm looking at the um, list and I
0: think I'm locking it in. I, 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 I hedged, but now as I'm, I'm recapping it in my brain, I guess I shouldn't hedge. That was definitely the best match of the night,
1: right? No DQ, so they had the shortcuts. Yeah. But you need to with Angelina Love. Camille 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 rocks dude. Camille rocks. And and it's
0: so funny that we we live in a world now where like everyone just goes out of their way to try to praise women's wrestling way, even when it doesn't deserve just because like you have to do it. You know what I mean? You have to do it. You have to do it. But nobody praises Camille. Nobody watches Camille. Nobody praises Camille. We talked about it in the PWI where like they, you know, they, they were ranking, you know, some women in like the top 10 or whatever based off kayfabe and all that sort of stuff. And we're like, well, fuck it. Where's Camille? Camille kayfabe wise is like the best woman in the world. She's been the champion forever and she's really good. And she goes out there and delivers. I mean, she delivered a good match, a match of the night with Angelina love. Now with that said, you know, not exactly Minami Toyota, as you like to say, but it was a good match, you know? <laughs> not not necessarily, you know, Dream Slam out there, but it was good. It was like a pretty damn good match. But yeah, Camille kind of rocks and 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 just never gets enough love from people.
1: You know what else was legitimately good and was either the best or second best match was Odin Sin versus Joe Alonzo on the pre-show.
0: I I, know you didn't watch. uh, Believe it or not, I did not watch any of the four pre-show matches from NWA. I got, I
1: got, you know, the pre-show kind of rocked. (laughs) It looks, I mean, there certainly looks like better matches than. Look, the Dak Draper and Mims wrestled Jack Stain and a man that I'm not familiar with. Blake Troop. Blake Troop. Yes. The outlaws. He was an MMA man. Like he had MMA shorts and was doing MMA stuff. And that was a, a tight little tag. Dak Draper. Looks great in the NWA. I think I've mentioned that before. Good um, thing, good thing, the pre-show, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then Sin and Joe Alonzo. I mean, they just had a kick-ass match. I mean, we were in the on the Discord in the NWA channel, and we were all like, "Wow, this pre-show kind of rocks." Um, I didn't see La Rosa Negra versus uh, Missa Kate. I I didn't see that one. I showed up a little late. And then they did the Mercurio and Natalia Markova versus uh, Genocide and Max Team I'm a big fan of Genocide. I think Genocide's got something. And uh, they did make it a point. This was not mixed tag team rules because Genocide and Max waived the mixed tag stip because they weren't scared of Mercurio. Yeah. So um, Mercurio does the fake Italian bit. It's very offensive to me. Um,
0: it's know, Italian. I, <laughs> yeah
1: it's anti-italian discrimination it's uh um but yeah the the pre-show was was pretty good the show itself i mean (laughs) it's like you said though it's not i i listen i i honest honest to god i don't know bad isn't really the right word. it's not bad it wasn't bad it's not bad it's boring it's just boring yeah it's just not good and it's boring you know who else i like i because i'm going to try to be positive Thrillbilly Silas has really grown on me. Yeah, thr- okay, okay.
0: Yeah, I like Thrillbilly. The, the the Pollo Del Mar of Thrillbilly Silas duo is pretty yeah, solid. Yeah, that
1: act is good. It's fun,
0: yeah. It's a technical and, he, and a, like a, a a loud hillbilly dude. Yeah, it kind of works. Exotico, you mean, Exotico, Exotico. Exotico, yeah, sorry.
1: He, and and, and with, a, with this hillbilly, it's like opposites attract or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it kind of works. It kind of works. But his work... Even on the weekly show, he 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 has this uh, the the thrill ride he calls the finisher, which is a, a great finish, and I didn't think he could get Kratos up for it, but he did. Actually, I you know that might have been the match of the night because that was with the oh my god, oh, you want Kratos talk about bleeding the, buckets afterwards? I don't know what happened there. Good. The Muda god. scale, the Muda scale was broken. I mean, Kratos was just. He left fucking a lake of blood. Yeah. Behind. So all he, he, he did was,
0: a thing where he got hit on the top rope and it was an exposed buckle, and then all of a sudden, and you could hear like the announcers are like, "Whoa, Kratos is," bl-. and he is just gushing blood. Like I don't know what he did. I don't know if he he uh, w- what was. Bladed going on. too deep or something. Yeah, he bladed too deep, or he cut a a, a, a vein, or something. I don't know. But he's fucking drenched in blood in seconds like right away too they they cut the camera and they go back to him and he's just a completely crimson mask yeah this was this is Mudo scale for sure good god
1: yeah so um oh I have to read you these did you see the was the EC3 stuff on the pre-show or on the show proper? <laughs> fortunately it was on the show proper yeah um no but I mean the promo did you oh, see oh uh, no I did not see the promo no no so they announced he signed an, an NWA deal Ah, oh, great um he said that he's celibate so he's not fucking right now ec3 Hmm, cool he's saving up his power for the ring he's not having sex that's a thing by the way do you know that um yes absolutely not you you are not subscribing to that i have never subscribed (laughs) to that you are letting it go (laughs) i am just letting it fly i need none of this power you could have it all. (laughs) i'm having many gasms per week many (laughs) gasms um he says he's now going to collect those that are abused and forgotten by the industry Including his opponent, Kevin Kiley Jr., tonight. Mm-hmm. And then beat him up. And then he is calling himself the Overman mm. because he is over. That was his pre show promo before the very bizarre <laughs> Kevin Kylie <Kiley> match. <laughs> so weird. I always feel
0: like anytime I see EC3, it's like he has a world that he thinks we're all in on, but none of us are in on it. Yeah, right. Like the like key, like we know, like we know the jokes, but we don't know the joke. We don't know what is going on. Yeah. Like he assumes everybody is like keeping up with whatever his dumb like Instagram posts are or whatever. And that's the story of these matches. But it's like, nobody knows. Like, what do you do? He comes
1: out and nobody reacts. They're just like, all right. Well, look Look at his look at his life. You got a guy <laughs> who so sad. I don't mean it like that. You got a guy who. Was like considered a real prospect for WWE. He gets cut. He goes to impact and he's the most over guy. He's on the great. Show. He's great on like, impact. You know, he's a rising star. He's the most over person on the show. He's a world champion. He has this great act as EC3. And then he get his knees give out on him again. And he goes back to WWE. He gets no traction whatsoever. His career goes nowhere. And all the while, MJF comes over, comes around and does his act, does it better, and becomes a megastar. Got to be deflating, right? Like, and and now he's just doing this weird. You know, is he super right wing? Is it a gimmick? Is it just a weird dude, bro, fitness thing? Like, no one, like you're saying, no one is in on this. <laughs> no one is in on
0: it, or knows. We don't
1: understand what <laughs> it is. We don't. No, and nobody does. You it's know, not just and, us. And... Nobody does control your narrative. Like, what does it even mean? Like what narrative? <laughs> and, all, like, and all his guys left him to go back to WWE. Yeah. Well, got like, yeah, man, control our narrative,
0: baby. And then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Paul calls. He's like, see ya. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> oh
1: God. Well, narratives don't pay the bills. brother. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? And now, you know, but he did, he did bring fodder with him. To oh the yes. NWA. Fodder so, is
0: here. That's good. Yeah. He
1: <laughs> lost the Singapore cane match to Tom <laughs> Latimer. Um, just bizarre. Also, there was big news on the pre-show. It appears that Father Jim Mitchell is out as Max the oh, Impaler's manager. Oh. And Amy Rose is in Max's manager from Ring of Honor. Okay. So, uh, A little continuity, at least, if they're going <laughs> to change managers, right? I can't get you excited, can I? No, I'm trying. No.
0: Yeah, so so uh, we'll go back to the EC3 Kevin yeah. Kiley Jr. match. If, if oh, yeah. Kevin Kylie Jr. is the former Alex Riley Yes. Um <laughs> who if you're wondering Alex Riley where where's he been? Uh pretty much nowhere uh since he he left WWE. Uh so he shows up and he's wrestling in a t-shirt and like <laughs> dress slacks or something or <laughs> black jeans or something. Yeah, and I don't, yeah. he's just not good. It's not a good match and then all of a sudden he rips the shirt off to reveal like a perfectly normal body and yeah. <laughs> That he jumps over the top rope and then lands on the floor and like hits his head on the floor, <laughs>
1: and I'm still not sure if it was a <laughs> work or a shoot. Right. What was great about the dive was he did clear the top rope, but then his bicep like hit the <laughs> ring post and then he brained himself on the floor. Like he cleared the rope. It was very athletic. It was good. Yeah, it was good. But then he just <laughs> and, he and then the match his bicep on the post. <laughs> and he landed on his fucking head, it's... and I was like, "He might be dead. This guy might be dead." And then it just—I don't know. He like did he did he even roll him in the ring? And he, pin he rolled him, him in I the ring, ring, ring. Yeah, he he rolled
0: <laughs> him in the ring and and, and pinned him. But um... Dude,
1: what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, God. You can't get
1: this kind of action anywhere but the end of the Where else are okay. you
0: going to see Alex Riley, a.k.a. or, or Kevin Kylie Jr., FKA, Alex Riley, rip his shirt off, then dive over the top rope, <laughs> catch his bicep on the ring post, and then land fucking face first onto the concrete. Like you're I'll not going to get that well, anywhere else.
1: I will tell you where the Egypt Shrine Center in Tampa, Florida, for the NWA pay per view, which they reminded us many times was sold out, <laughs> despite the fact that there couldn't have been 150 people there. But it was sold okay. out, though. But it was sold out. It was I sold mean,
0: out. Yeah, they had to enter through like <laughs> the entrance. It's just a white curtain behind the announcers, and that's how people came in and out of the ring. So this was the And kind then of they had to man. walk downstairs. They had to come through a curtain to go, yeah, yeah
1: and then walk downstairs. <laughs> All holding on to the guardrail, too. <laughs> right. That's your instinct. Well, OSHA. I mean, you gotta,
0: yeah, it's OSHA, you know, regularly. Yeah. You gotta think.
1: And uh, this was the kind of venue that, like, even Gabe would turn down during the <laughs> darkest of <evolved> all days.
0: <laughs> the Egypt Shrine Center. Okay.
1: Gabe took one look at the Egypt Shrine Center and was like, nope, we're going back to the Odeon in fucking Yaber City. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the, with, the, the place in Brooklyn with the lady smacking her, <laughs> her rugs in the background. BB King's. Oh, oh! You mean the one on the street? <laughs> the show thing. they had on yeah, the street, right? Yeah. Oh my god, with the uh, with the street fight, with the lighting so bad, you couldn't see anything. Remember? <laughs> yes. They were like fighting on the corner, like an episode of fucking uh, uh, the Wire. Like they're just out on the fucking streets. The lady yeah, had a lady beating the rug with the fucking <laughs> with the broom on the balcony. Yeah. No, this was a bad venue. Um, it was sold out, though. As as Joe Galley reminded us many times, look if you put a hundred tickets for sale and they all get bought, rich. That's a that's sellout. sold out. That's sold out. Yeah, all after you know. Enough said. Enough said. That's a sellout. So, um, the Kerry Morton, he looks good on all these shows. You know, he defeated Alex Taylor. Um, the Renegade Twins, I like them. Yeah, I I agree.
0: I agree. The Renegade Twins are good. I've liked Pretty Empowered. They were not great here. Uh, The Renegade Twins, though, there is something there. They're they're solid as hell. Yeah. There's enough pieces uh, here. This is the thing with the NWA. There's pieces that I like. Like you said, Karen Morton is good. The Thrill Billy Silas thing is good. The Renegade Twins are good. I think Pretty Empowered are pretty good. Even Blunt Force Trauma is kind of fun. The Carnage and Damage thing. There's enough things there. But then you have, you know... EC3 and Kevin <laughs> Kylie and Tyrus is your champion. <laughs> and like, there's so many things. You're like, fodder. Fodder's there. Who's fodder? <laughs> like we discussed why, fodder. Why am I supposed to care about fodder? Because <laughs> he's controlling your narrative. He's controlling no narratives. I don't know why I'm supposed to care about fodder. It's just they have pieces there that are like, all right. And like Camille is great. But then it's just – it's such – it's weird. It's just such then a we have weird to, company. Then we have to
1: sit through Scion.
0: Oh, the you Scion know? thing. Yeah.
1: Look, look. look I look Cutting at this card. Cutting
0: promos and, oh, God.
1: Week, listen, I look at this card. We could construct a good card. Yes, I could make a better card than they did. But I, I don't know if it'd be great, you know, but I could put something together here that would have been pretty decent with this, you know, and it's uh, La Rebellion. Defeats uh, the aforementioned blunt force trauma, which they're doing a doom act, and like, it kind of rocks. It kind of rocks. I'm not going to lie. It it's is. It does. You know. But Aaron Stevens just gets involved, and like I, I don't. Yeah. I, I like don't, again, you know? I like the gimmick. Get rid of Aaron Stevens. Yeah. Get Teddy Long.
0: Get Teddy Go Long. Go get. Way with get, it. get, get Get a woman recreation if you want. You know what I mean? Like, find somebody, anybody. Just find a a brunette woman and have her come out with blunt for it. It's not that hard. But Ah, instead, it's Aaron Stevens. You can get
1: Mae Valentine out there. You know, that even fits to Aaron Stevens. That's perfect. There you go. You know? Chris Adonis and Trevor Murdoch went out there and had a professional wrestling match. (laughs) It was two professional wrestlers having a professional wrestling match, for sure. Yeah. And then... Camille and Angelina Love maybe the match
0: of the night, the no DQ. Camille going with the Daisy Dukes instead of like the the jeans tucked into her boots, she went with the Daisy Dukes. I hey, you know what? You got to have some form of denim. Yeah, she put her you own spin on the, the denim, denim.
1: So I, I, yep. I, you she know, yeah, the denim, yes. And Angelina Love for her credit, you know, went out there, took some bumps, did some weapon shit. Um, you know, and then you get Scion and Homicide. I mean, Scion is just. The jaggiest jag that ever <laughs> yeah, jagged. He had he no, had to resort
0: he's... to like halfway through the match putting homicide in a sleeper hole and being like, Tell these fans you suck or whatever. And yeah. Homicide's like, no,
1: you suck. And it's just like, what are we doing? Sixteen how many his, minutes. Sixteen how many, minutes and twenty six seconds. Close your ears uh with spandex. How many Robert Anthony matches have you seen in your life? Like living in Chicago? Have oh, you I seen I them see, a lot live?
0: Yeah, I've seen them like thirty
1: times or whatever. Yeah, like it's it's just always the jaggiest jag shit yeah, that yeah, you've ever Yeah, yeah,
0: he's he, so, sometimes he's a little bit better than this. But yeah, this is he's he's not no, he's not good, but he, he's a Billy guy. So he's always going to get pushed. So
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, when Mox can't even get you a full time job with all the stroke he has with AEW. Then, yeah, it says yeah. a lot. Um, And then uh, yeah, Tyrus and Cardona, which <laughs> Jesus
0: fucking. <Christ>. I... <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep, Joe, three times watching this match. Three I, times. I listen. One time I went out to my car at lunch at work and it was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to finish up this show. Fucking fell asleep in my car, woke up and I was like, God damn it. When did I fall asleep? <laughs> I got to watch this thing again. So I came home, sat down on my couch, turned it on again, fell asleep again. And then finally today I was able to sit down and watch the entire thing. Holy shit. Was this brutal? You had to do the thing where okay, and I don't I'm, know where I started. So I just restarted the match.
1: Right. You have to do the thing where you started over from the beginning. So you're mad about that. You have to take your phone and put it in a locked room so you don't get distracted. Like, I'm getting through this. I'm watching the whole thing, and I'm paying attention. I hate that. It happens. Sometimes it's, it's not even a bad match, but you just keep falling asleep anytime yeah, you try yeah. to watch it, <laughs> well, and it's, This one was both. <laughs> this one was yeah. a
0: bad match. And that's why I kept falling asleep. This is so... Okay. <laughs> Joe, Tyrus was on the Super Bowl how many times? Did you notice oh, it on that commercial yeah, a couple like three, times, four times, Yeah, About four three times. Four. OK, uh, I was in a room full of people watching the Super Bowl. And, and g- you know what happened? They what saw happened? Tyrus holding the NWA World's Heavyweight title on their screen. And they all looked at me and said, who is that guy? Yeah. And where can I watch him every single week? Oh, and I said, funny, I you, should I said, funny you should say I said, funny, you should say. He's a, he's the National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion. Uh and you can watch him uh well just yesterday he he had a pay-per-view but uh you can watch him every single week on NWA Power I, I, on YouTube and um okay so none of that actually happened. Everybody just kind of moved on with their lives and didn't give one fucking shit that this guy's holding a title. Oh. You know what I mean? Like th- nobody cares. Like this is it what we're work. D- this is what we're doing. This is the Billy thing is that this guy holds a title and all of a sudden people are going to care about the NWA now. Mm. Dude, it was on the fucking Super Bowl four times with the title. Yeah. Having a lot, he had a line. (laughs) He was as 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 prominent as as Maya Rudolph, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's a fucking Super Bowl. Like he had more screen time. Nobody do you think anybody anywhere in the world was watching that and then said, Whoa, where's that guy? And how do I watch more of him? Like, that's what they're baking on. Nobody cares. And I wrestling I fans listen. fucking hate him. And wrestling fans can't stand him because he stinks. He's so bad. He looks like shit. I, I, I gotta, I gotta give it up to my man Tim Storm, who when Tyrus took his ring, uh, uh, you know, his entrance gear off, Tim Storm said, "You know, guys, Tyrus. Every time I see him, he looks in better and better shape. He looks tremendous." Oh, come on, and I was like Tim, <laughs> Tim, Tim. on the square here,
1: Tim on the square. Uh, he's so nice. He probably means <laughs> he probably meant it. He's probably like, "You look good." He saw him
0: backstage. He's like, "Tyrus, you looked like you dropped a few pounds. Good, on, good on you, pal." You know what I mean? You but ask
1: ask anyone who knows him. He's the nicest man on yeah, earth. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, sure he meant it earnestly. It not a put on. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What you want me to say it was horrendous. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean,
0: and it's not Cardona's fault. I mean, Cardona's not going to get in there and really, you know. But Cardona's had good matches in his life. I've seen Matt Cardona have some really, really good matches.
1: Yeah. Um well, you know, I I do have to say this the fans at the Egypt Shrine Center in Tampa, Florida, for whatever they, look, this company has their fans and they're into everything, they, they're on their feet for this whole match. Did you notice that? Yeah. They were like into the near falls and Tyrus flopping around. And uh they're just they're they're on their feet. They're they're they're, they're you know, and now listen, Rich, if they look now you're going to get Tyrus Bully Ray. So <laughs> feel the
0: darkest and darkest timeline ever is uh, Bully Ray came out for commentary during this match. And then afterwards said,
1: I need some of this. So now it's Bully Ray versus Tyrus. No, but you literally are going to get Tyrus and Bully Ray right there in Chicago, Illinois. You have to go. I, I got to go. I'm going to go. Yeah, for you sure. have to go. There's no way you cannot go. This is an NWA podcast,
0: and there's an NWA pay-per-view taking place in my town. Of course, I'll be there.
1: With Tyrus and Bully Ray (laughs) in the main event. If you don't go, I quit. Okay, that's fair. We're splitting the territory like Goulis and (laughs) Jarrett if you (laughs) don't go. Because you have to go to this. Okay? You you have to. And report back live from the next NWA. What what do they call on the next... uh,
0: uh, three one two. They're calling it three one two. That's an area code in Chicago.
1: Is that your area code? Uh,
0: it is not my area code now.
1: Okay, um, I'm a
0: suburban boy, but uh, <laughs> I forgot it's taking place on Good Friday as well.
1: Oh great, great, perfect. <laughs> Good booking guys. Long weekend. Ca- long weekend for some people. There's so. not too many Catholics in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Very uh
0: <laughs> well well known, uh more of a Baptist uh, town than uh yeah. Yeah, so shouldn't be a problem at all. <laughs> that's right. Stations of the Cross, not a big deal for tons of people in this town. That's that's fine. Yeah. No.
1: Um Yeah, I mean from
0: undisclosed location, it's taking place in two months, and we don't really know when uh, where it's going to be. But we know they it's on April seventh. Yeah, I don't have a, they have a
1: venue yet. They but. don't have a building, huh? No,
0: not yet. But
1: maybe it'll be in Cicero. <laughs> There's maybe Cicero Stadium again. No Catholics there in that deeply Mexican community. Yeah, none at none, all. None, none. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be in the Allstate Center, All State Arena. I don't know if they're. Yeah, maybe. I mean. All State Arena. Yeah, I have a joke. A few more people
0: um, there than than the Egyptian Shrine Center, but uh, you know, when you have a big time match like uh, Tyrus and, and Bully Ray,
1: then No, I am going. No, no doubt about it. Are you kidding? Well, well, let's see. It's April, so the Paul won't be playing. Maybe they can go to the <laughs> the, the WinTrust. <laughs> the WinTrust. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh you know, Oh, God. Will, will they top their attendance from the Egypt Shrine Center? Uh, in Tampa I Forum? would
0: hope that they would uh, in a major metropolitan area like uh, Chicago and, and with the, a big time matchup. like Ty- Well, no, more than, more than Tyrus versus Bully Ray, Joe. Do you know what they're doing on this show as well? I don't. Inform me. They are crowning a new NWA women's TV champion because I know what you were thinking. God, <laughs> if there was just more NWA titles, if there's just not enough. T- don't worry. There's a world women's. <sighs> TV championship now, so you're good.
1: Uh so
0: there's a women's tag, a, a normal women's, and now a women's TV to add to the NWA national, the world's heavyweight, uh, the TV, the world junior. <laughs> what are you doing?
1: The national. The, Stop. The, 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 the US tag team. Um can Camille just win that one too? I hopefully, yeah.
0: Unify them on, on day one, just unify the titles.
1: Yeah. Just have Camille win that one too. Um, did the NWA women's TV title ever exist? I don't think there that that uh, has ever existed. Let me look existed.
0: through the history of uh, Like
1: in a real NWA territory, I don't think not
0: so. I, I can't imagine. No.
1: Well, you get to see history made. Yeah, in exactly. I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. I will have been
0: there for the. Uh, yeah, that's right. The the inaugural. Yes, established. It'll be established. Um, <laughs> okay, hold on a minute. I'm reading really Wikipedia. The uh, I'm really No, <laughs> we don't even have a venue. Show <laughs> you want participants for a tournament? Get out of here! We <laughs> don't even know where it's going. <laughs> uh, okay, so <clears throat> this is the uh, Wikipedia entry for, and then we then we gotta go because we were way over time, but that's fine. Uh, on the July twenty sixth. 2022 episode of NWA's weekly flagship program, NWA Power, uh, Medusa announced they were introducing the NWA Women's Television Championship on the February 14th, 2023 episode of NWA Power. NWA introduced the title for the women's division with a tournament to determine the inaugural holder for the championship at the next pay-per-view NWA 312 on April 7th. So they announced it July 26th, 2022, and then followed it up on February 14th, 2023. Wait, they announced this in July of last year that they announced that this title would be would be created uh, and then finally followed up in February by saying, OK, now we're going to have a tournament for it. All right. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, like the NWA here. World Television Championship, it will be a lucky seven rule. A champion who successfully right. defends the championship seven consecutive times will be eligible to trade in the championship for a match for the NWA World Women's which, title. which
1: is way too many. Nobody remembers. Seven. Like it's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then the 6.05 time limit, I'm sure, applies as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that will be the case. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's exciting news for
0: you. It's I, not I,
1: history. Yeah. Chicago doesn't get a ton of great events. <laughs> Very little wrestling comes around to our part, So. <laughs> right. So when NWA 312 comes to town, I'm surprised, honestly, that At Billy is just coming around to Chicago now. Oh seriously yeah, it's, it's his home base. So I mean that's pretty crazy. Maybe he'll have it. Maybe listen, maybe the venue is like his backyard. And that, you know, because he he a he used
0: to own a tea shop here. I don't know if he still owns a tea shop, maybe you can have it there. Like tea as in the beverage? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like Madame Tussaud's tea shop or something like that. He,
1: it's Billy job
0: Madame Zuzu's Emporium. Yeah, it's called Madame Zuzu's Emporium
1: all kinds of wacky art like on his album covers like <laughs> yeah, i'm kind sure of i've
0: never been so
1: people with umbrellas floating from the sky and fucking <laughs> all kinds of steam like steam pipe stuff like uh all that kind of shit like becky lynch's first gimmick with yeah the, the steampunk, <laughs> steampunk stuff, stuff. And, yeah I'm, I'm sure i'm and sure the, you know a, a guy dressed in 1920s garb floating from the sky with a with an umbrella <laughs> right like you know Wearing a top hat like that kind of shit. I think it's a big
0: place, yeah. so you could you could probably move Set. the chairs out of the way and have a have a show at Madame Zuzu uh, Madame Zuzu's uh, in a.
1: Did you ever have the tea at Madame Zuzu's? No, TV? I have i
0: never been. I've never been. So
1: no, no. Sorry. Is there Zwan songs playing on a loop? <laughs> the... I, I don't know. I haven't gone. I should go one of these days. Why don't you just go and have some fucking tea? I like tea, so I'll see what it's like. Maybe he'll be there, and you'll get to. Take a mark pick and congratulate him on. <laughs> I've met at Billy before. So. On the sold out offset Congratulate him. And um, I, I, you can sh- make a suggestion. You should say, look, you don't have enough titles. What you need, really need to do is add more titles. Yeah, so can we can get vote. a U.S. tag title here? Come on, let's go. Let's get the U.S. tag titles yeah. going here. They do. They have that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if they had something else, Rich. They have that already. <laughs> <laughs> they got to bring back the the man six- the titles, six man, I, don't I guess Dust, that's that's I don't think at, Dusty right. and the Road Warriors are available to defend them, though. That's that's going to be a problem because you dead. can you
0: can announce them for a show and then, yeah, ring the bell and then they have you know 10 seconds to get to the ring. And then if they don't,
1: right, but... like like Brian Danielson, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right, right? They're all dead and they're not going to make it. So, yeah, t- tough bookings uh-huh. these days. So. Yeah. Um, no, all right. Well, that was uh, <laughs> enough said. I would listen. I still get a bunch of these for free on my season pass, and um we'll be covering them at least till then. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah.
0: Then we'll play it by ear. Then, <laughs> then we'll play it. By
1: then, then we'll have to make some decisions. But uh I sir, say in all earnestness that Tyrus versus Bully Ray is the biggest match they can make. Absolutely, absolutely agreed. I'll joke Joking, they have a joking match. aside for sure. Yeah, I mean, because they get they did Cardona. And it obviously drew a sellout house, and <laughs> hanging now, <from> the rafters. <laughs> yeah, and it sold out. Two hanging, from of, hanging from the chandeliers, hanging
0: from the chandeliers.
1: Two rows of chairs on all sides of the <laughs> ring. I mean, just a total sellout. The biggest match they have is Bully Ray for Tyrus. I mean, I can't think of a bigger match. Botter isn't ready yet, <laughs> so EC three's got to
0: uh, EC three's got to beat uh, you know. Fledmer Koslaw <laughs> on his path towards that. They really that actually, bring him in. That give it could be pretty sweet, actually. If he he, he just beats up on like 2009 oh, former, FCW saying. dudes, yeah.
1: like <laughs> just... yeah, bring them all. Yeah, Ah, oh, well.
0: NWA, enough said. And that's enough said for us here on uh, this week's flagship. Anyway, subscribe to our Patreon, flagshippatreon.com, uh, patreon.com slash voices wrestling, or voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon. That's how you can do that. Uh, get involved. Five and $10 tiers, all of our bonus audio, written content. All that stuff is available for you at flagship patreon.com, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. Also, voices of wrestling.com uh, for previews, reviews, columns about all of the happenings in the world of wrestling, uh, and our Discord as well, voices wrestling.com slash Discord if you want to join the conversation. Uh, and last but not least, you are listening to this show, but if you want to listen to the rest of the podcast on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, make sure you subscribe to the individual shows as well as our main Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network feed. It uh, really helps us out to subscribe to both of those if you can uh but uh, yeah if you want the feed you get every show that gets posted on the entire network uh, and you can also subscribe to each uh each, uh, uh each show has their own individual channel and their own feed as well so you can do that uh as well also on youtube you can listen to all our podcasts on youtube as well as some bonus clips and other fun content as well as up on youtube just look for voices of wrestling uh on youtube so that is it for us that is joe i'm rich we will talk to you next time take care
1: New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network.